0: Welcome to Motorcycles and Misses, coming to you from the Recycle Rock in loud and sunny Santa Cruz, California. Why? Emma, you are the biggest pain in the ass, but I am so glad you're back, because you do make things more exciting and fun.
1: Makes
2: it spicy. It's only because clothing is always optional.
0: Life is easier without you, but it is more fun with you. Oh, that is horse (laughs)
2: shite, and you know (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> you miss every moment I'm away. <laughs> hey
0: everybody, this is Liza. No, and it's not. We had another great day in the garage. No, we didn't. Today. <laughs> It was I, yesterday. I just set her off. I just set her off.
3: I had a great day in the garage because I was in my own garage today.
2: No, <laughs> you, yes, y- you oh. are the king. You are king of chain and sprockets.
3: You I can tell are. by the new dent in my forehead. I tell you what. We're <laughs> blood on the shop floor. Name of we're my new punk album. Since so yep. so
0: we're doing things different on this show, aside from the the loud candy that Emma's digging into, we're going to start backwards. Who is with us here tonight? Everyone's favorite, Ginger, it's Bagel.
4: Hey, hey, from the very moist Northwest. Moist.
0: That's a bad word. (laughs) Yes, it is. Moist. (laughs) And uh, over by the window, it's Naked Jim with a dent in his head.
3: Yes, yeah. Missed a little flesh. What it is, what it was, what (sighs) it shall be.
0: What part of the bike... Whacked you in the head
3: Can you dig it? <laughs> uh, the license plate
0: Oh, okay, yeah <laughs> You know, the ground
3: up and with like shards of <laughs> sharp metal Yeah
0: Yeah All right, going around the room Joining us for a second week in a row Almost making it official Almost It's Scotty I'm
1: Running on
3: one out of two cylinders
0: <laughs> Yes, you it's are better than none
3: <laughs> And some gummy tacos
0: Oh, uh, yeah <laughs> Yes, exactly uh, running the board tonight Looking oh. dapper as a traffic <laughs> cone It's Stumpy John
5: Yes, I'm a new doodle dad
0: Yes, you are I did I, I Congratulations,
5: got it. doodle dandy did Yes.
0: You, did you understand that, Emma?
5: Oh, yes Yes, she did I've seen
2: photographic evidence ah. I adopted a new baby Yes Baby
0: Well, and speaking of new babies Driving up in her new baby
2: yeah. It's Miss mm-hmm. Emma Ah, uh, signores, uh, Tonight I'm wearing a uh, leopard print on the pant and a one blue sock.
0: <laughs> wow! <Well>, See, <Si. laughs> thank you. Why well, you drove up in an American car? Why did you adopt? <laughs> I a, don't know. Italian? No, accent.
2: I no. I I I drove up in my new baby, um, uh, Thunderbird.
0: Also, you've always claimed you can't do accents. From now on, you are reading the Italian emails. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> so I said uh, we're doing who things. Are you? I said that at the top. Oh, you
5: didn't? No, I you didn't. didn't. I no, did. you didn't. I you did I not. Did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. In fact, you negated it then, too, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: um, Unky Liza.
0: <laughs> so I said we're doing things different. Um, and we are in that our main topic tonight isn't about
3: motorcycles oh what what? let's
0: go but but we're we will get to that but before that uh i just wanted to get into some some little updates um one update oh i didn't tell you so remember my uh, british traffic school
2: yes yes
0: i didn't tell you how that played out
2: has it escalated
0: no
3: yes last played out (laughs) you sound disappointed
0: well it was just weird um i couldn't i didn't know who to contact about how to get out of traffic school the queen i just called like
3: the queen right a
0: like general number and left a message you know for like customer service like i don't want to do it and then a couple weeks later i got air mail that said our offer has been rescinded you can't do traffic school and I'm like, is this in response to my message? I don't know. And I'm waiting for the instruction. And <laughs> then I got a follow-up airmail that said, it's 100 pounds. Just pay your ticket at this website. And I'm like, okay. It was very, like, anticlimactic. I was able to just pay. But it was very weird communications. How much How much was the original ticket? It's 100 pounds. Uh, so, it, I mean, the, the, the cost of
1: the ticket didn't change.
0: No. The,
1: but the ability to pay the ticket has increased.
0: No. No, they hadn't given me an option to pay the ticket. Right. They'd only gave me an, an option to go to traffic school Yeah, that I didn't want to do. So, 100 pounds. Yeah, 100 pounds. Done. Paid. Done.
3: wonder how that compares to here. So, what, like 130 bucks? What do you get for a speeding ticket here? Well, it depends yeah. how
0: fast you are. You would not going. pay that much for doing 28 miles per hour anywhere here.
3: Hmm. Okay. Just curious. Yeah.
0: So, it, so, anyway, so that's done. So, just that update. Um, so, 100 pounds
2: will buy you a couple of Donner Kebabs chips and a bottle of gin and uh, something nice for dessert. So, yeah, big like night it. out, I suppose. I
0: like so another update is, um, oh, then <laughs> Jim, remember uh, you got a message from me the other day saying, hey, are you around?
3: Yeah, was that Friday?
0: Yeah. I yeah. Didn't, and you're like, no, I'm not. Why? I didn't say, but it was because the Nikon took up. Nap in the parking lot Oh,
2: laid right over Funny enough I saw the
3: duct tape On the saddlebags And I thought Oh no, what happened?
0: (laughs) It took a nap Were were you
3: making a right hand turn?
0: No, I was just Backing it out You know how you lean Into the seat to back it out Mm -hmm. And I get to the final Like just making the turn And it just went over The other way (laughs) How many many
3: times Did you drop the Africa Twin In the driveway?
0: Uh, I almost got crushed once But I caught it So none, huh? Yeah Um so it just yeah, it just went over the other what way. You
5: need is another wheel,
0: and I <laughs> could not fourth one lift it up at all. Really, both wheels are in the, in the air. Oh shit! Yeah,
1: seems oh, going to be heavy.
0: yeah.
3: But um, both front wheels were up in the air.
0: Actually, no, just the the one on the outside one. Was it was on the? the, the was
3: it on that engine engine guard?
0: Yeah, the engine guard. The so did it the stay? mirror folded up. The I mean the. The bar end got a little scratch, mm-hmm. and those semi-hard bags just kind of crushed like an aluminum can. Mm. Um, and it had already been cracked before. Yeah, yeah, it had yeah. Been But over. the
3: fairing didn't crack. Mirror didn't break. No, anything. Nothing, oh, nothing. So that's that's not but bad.
0: But I could not budge it. That's interesting. I could not budget so then it's i a good tried, reason not to
5: take it off road i'm like all right i got a,
0: like a, a eight foot long two by four and stuck it under there i'm trying to like prop it up and shove like a shop stool under it like right. anything to get it up in increments and i was struggling so i ended up getting that the short jack that we have there yeah, the, yeah. The, for like you know lifting a bike yeah the floor jack yeah and i got it just Below the the tank is a frame rail, because it's a tubular frame, right? Like a trellis style. Yeah, yeah, And I just started jacking it up, jacking it up, and I got it up a good ways. Mm. I still couldn't get it up from there, and I got the jack up all the way, and so I just started sending messages, hey, who's <laughs> home? I
5: was home. You never called me?
0: No, because Evan, our neighbor, oh. he was home. So he came out and helped me lift it, and once you get two people on it, it went right up. And having it already kind of lifted up, but that but, is so interesting
2: because when you ride it, I mean, you were aware that it has a little more extra weight than um, a conventional motorcycle, but yeah. it doesn't seem.
0: That is it heavy. the weight or
1: kind of the geometry of it? Kind
2: of,
3: I of think thing. it's
1: probably the geometry, Jim. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh,
0: because there's a
1: bunch of that uh, linkage stuff that's pretty up high in front. Mm, okay,
0: yeah, it's once you get. That second wheel down, there's so much weight to lift from there. Uh, Anyway, um, so yeah, so I I had to get help. But it took a little nap. It's okay. Um, But I do have a fascinating DMV story. So I had to take it to the DMV to get it registered.
2: Because you bought it with Arizona Plates.
0: Arizona Plates. And to bring a bike into California that um, if it's under how many years or under 7,500 miles and it comes from another state. You can't do it unless it is a California model. Mm -hmm. So you can't bring in a 49 state bike until it has 7,500 miles. This bike had 6,900 miles. Right. It's a 50 state bike. And well, I wasn't sure. And I went to the DMV earlier in the week to do a little recon. Like, what do I need? What do I got to bring? Can you tell me if it's a 50 state? And they were like, Uh, well, when you bring the bike in, we'll inspect them. Oh, so I need the bike here. You didn't tell me that when you gave me all the forms when I said, what do I need? Oh yeah, you need to be, bring the bike in. Okay. So it was pretty simple. Filled out a form, went, rang the bell. Guy comes out, inspects it. I'm like, is it a 50 state? Is it a 50 state? And he's like, take this inside. They wouldn't tell me.
3: Were they, were they looking for like a number or something? How I'm do they put t- a t- sticker.
0: It's, it's, a there's sticker? a sticker. And okay. it's it's quite a sophisticated
2: sticker. It's an aluminized sticker. And it simply shows a um, schematic of the emission controls on the bike. And then it'll either say 49 state or 50 state. Hmm. But it's finding the bloody thing in the first place. Um I fell foul of it with my Harley um, when I got it because it was under the 7,500 miles. And it was a 49-state bike. Mm. So I had to do a little bit of um, funny stuff.
0: Well, and what was interesting, while I was waiting for the inspection, there were also people getting in line to take their driving tests, so a lot of young people. Right. And the car in front of me, uh, the guy got out, and he's like, hey, what is this thing? I'm like, hey. It's a guy who's been by the garage. Mm. Oh, right. And he is there with his daughter who she took off to do the test, and we're talking about the night and then a few minutes later, he sees her playing. Oh, there she is. Oh, it's too soon. Oh, oh
6: no. no. Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh,
0: no. It's kind of like such, tr- it's so tragic to sit there and watch people coming back from their tests. It having, really is. And having you know, known
1: they failed. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I want to um, put
2: away a myth that a lot of my friends, especially my English friends, think it is very, very easy to get a driving license in California. And I will concede it is easier to get a license here than in Europe. Oh, yeah. However, it's no cakewalk. You really need to bone up. You need to know the highway code. And you need to know what you're doing. You know, you can't just take it. You're not going to pass. You actually need to be a reasonable driver. And if you're a commercial driver like me, I mean, my God, you've got to jump through all kinds of hoops.
0: Yeah. So, I got finally got the inspection, I got the paperwork. Now, DMV, and I think in every state is known for being time, yeah, not being on, very on time. So, the first step you got go to go into the to the pre guy who gives you, make sure you have your paperwork, gives you a number. Do you have your papers? And you, so, you got to get in line in that line. So, papers. I go to get in the line, there's no line. <coughs> Ooh. There's no line? Well, that's cool. I just walk right up to this guy at a little portable desk and I'm go to the paperwork, I hand it to him. Okay, you got this, okay, yeah, yep. Yeah. okay, you got this. And he goes, all right, you're number 149. They just called you at window 10. I'm like, what? Wow. What? <laughs> That's never happened before, ever. And I walk over to window 10 cautiously. I'm like, 149? She's like, yes. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to, like, post on social media or something. This has never happened.
5: <laughs> <Should've> <laughs> she, was she got a lot of tickets. She
0: was laughing. So that was the first time ever that as soon as I walked in, I was able to go right up to a well, counter Easy transaction, no problem. It's and all, it, was 50 state and it was a 50-state And it was a 50-state. But I was, like, waiting for, like, the, like uh, is somebody going to tell me? Is I, somebody going to tell me?
2: I have heard this many, many times before, that the pandemic actually fixed the DMV. How's oh, it? maybe. How's that? Well, because the DMV was closed for in-person.
5: People got used to online.
2: Um, for so long, people kind of got used to the mm. doing stuff online.
6: And it's never
2: right. it's never returned to pre pandemic levels. Never. Even because I mean I remember the DMV in Seaside at my neck of the woods. You'd have to go there at like seven o'clock in the morning, the line would already right. be down the street. Yeah,
1: even pre pandemic, our little DMV here in Capitola has always been pretty good to me. I found them pretty right. easy and efficient.
0: So it was yeah, it was good. It was quick, it was easy, bing bang, boom, done.
1: And now you've got your <clears throat>
0: Cal plates. Coming Cal plates. But now one more thing. So um I did a little bit of riding on Friday, and I decided there's some things that the Nike needs. Okay, is it like
2: the complaint department? No,
3: needs another wheel.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since since I needs
3: <laughs> a sidecar. Since yeah. I yeah. <laughs> a gravity activated little swing arm.
0: Since I crushed one of the side bags, which yeah. popped up pretty good, but it's all cracked. Right. I decided I'd rather have a top box, and it comes with a grab rail that has three holes in it to attach a mounting plate for a to support yeah so it looks go, like it's looks like it's ready for one so i go on a yamaha's website find oh there's my grab rail and there's the oh out of stock my. the top box mount out of stock no no problem go to ebay go to amazon go everywhere okay Ch- looking for aftermarket companies did they ever make it they did, but there's none I bet
1: GV do one. Did they just
2: market no, it? No, but I want to get the it?
0: Yamaha. Um, I need to get the, the Yamaha one. OEM the OEM. because it fits the OEM grab bar, and it fits the OEM bags. Oh, mm-hmm. right. gotcha. It all goes together. Um, and uh, none available. Can I have, can I have a whole so, John? So guess where I found one?
3: Not eBay, I assume.
0: No, nope, not eBay.
3: Not Facebook. Facebook Marketplace. Nope. Mm, Where else Did you find live? one on the street and just take it off? <laughs> oh my Local gosh, it's got to be AliExpress. That is correct. Oh, God. AliExpress. <laughs> <laughs> which brings us well, to... Is this is not OEM then.
0: <laughs> now, I didn't order the luggage OEM. or anything, but they also had a blue Nikon kickstand pad that <laughs> looks really... Cool, <laughs> which I'm like, yeah, that can't go wrong. Um, but it was the only place I could find, and it's not cheap, You know, it's not... How much is... I don't remember how much it was, but now I didn't order the the luggage from Yamaha because that's a few hundred dollars. I want to get this thing and test it out first before I put a top box on it. Okay. But uh, look, I'm just saying, I know I get teased a lot for buying the Chinese stuff, but in this case, I searched everywhere.
3: Is there the Chinese top box for it? I mean...
0: Um, well, I—I mean, I'd rather get the Yamaha one that locks into it. They didn't sell know. that on AliExpress I rides. was just curious. Yeah. However, yeah. that said,
2: one of the few complaints I have heard from a lot of Nikon owners is that the factory luggage is quite feeble. Are there a lot of Nikon mm. owners? Yeah, there's enough <laughs> like of them. F- Fourteen of them <laughs> to form an opinion. You know, there's enough to form a quorum. <laughs> a quorum
0: so yeah so i'm gonna get that another thing i get to test out but hey aliexpress potentially saves a day because i I am trying to go oem as much as possible so there you go um i want to jump into our topic tonight and i said that we're not really talking about motorcycles. Yeah, That's not I'm, our topic. I'm kind
2: of on the fence about this, Liza, because in the past mm-hmm. I've navigated you away from controversial topics <laughs> and said, look, this is a motorcycle podcast, only. we should talk yes. about motorcycles. And I, the only reason I'm giving you any slack with this Thank you. <laughs> is just about everything we're talking about is at least transport-related.
0: So this is the thing. We're, uh, you know... Motorcycles are considered alternative transportation, right? Alternative lifestyle. Alternative transportation. That's regional, though. If they are alternative transportation, what is transportation? Usually it's just cars. That's referred to as, and everything else is alternative, right? Yeah, it's cars. cars. Everything else. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about alternative transportation, most specifically Santa Cruz because we are a podcast out of Santa Cruz and how Santa Cruz has changed the world in so many different avenues of alternative transportation um and i'll, I'll be honest Scotty yes uh, a big part of this is because of you this topic this
1: what a, I didn't know Oh, well, I've made a mistake.
0: <laughs> you have worked and do work. I do. At some of the it's places true. on this list. I, and this is, we're, yeah. we, this is going, I'm just going to say it. We are bragging about how awesome Santa Cruz is. It's rad. And it's pretty amazing that if you were to describe Santa Cruz, it's beach culture. We got the boardwalk down the street, you know, it's. Hippies, Redwoods. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know. Vampires. Redwoods. Vampires. <coughs> a lot of tourists. Um, <coughs> tourists. And just industry. talking about. Just, Almost people on the street.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: We've got. Just to paint a picture for anyone who hasn't been to Santa Cruz. From here, where we sit right now, it's about a 39 second ride to the beach. And about a four minute ride to the first twisty in the Redwoods.
3: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Twisty mm-hmm. two lane in the Redwoods.
0: <clears throat> I mean, we yeah. really have amazing. Riding an
3: hour and a half south of San Francisco, which is one of the world's great cities and yep. an hour from Big Sur and I was speaking with a friend recently is like we're not on the way to any
1: place. We're just kind we're of the destination. Here. That's true. That's we a good point. Th- we are the place. We if You're going to get here. You're not going to.
2: Well, I mean, S- Santa Cruz really is a, a town along Highway <coughs> 1. But if you look at the history of Santa Cruz. You see Santa Cruz had. A really profound effect on the town if you mm-hmm. go pre-uc santa cruz um which is the early 60s santa cruz was just a very sleepy little beach Well, way town. before
1: that we were the state capital for a minute right
2: mm. yeah just for a minute though well
0: and the, um, the industry here was based on redwood um, right exactly
3: well a lot but of Forestry, and farming yeah, yeah. And, and, and farming
0: and we're at the top of the the salinas valley and a lot of the nation's right. vegetables come from here the monterey bay feeds that um we, you yeah. mentioned UC Santa Cruz. UC Santa Cruz, their mascot is the banana slugs. Go slugs! And
2: here's, <laughs> here's a very, very interesting fact about UC Santa Cruz that not a lot of people, even in Santa Cruz, know. Um, and the only reason I found this out was from an ex-partner who actually attended at the time. So UC Santa Cruz never intended to be as big as it is.
6: Mm.
2: However, history... Really stuck the lead pipe in because um, UC Santa Cruz shared a lot of lecturers and administrative staff with Berkeley. And the mid to late 60s was a very, very tumultuous time for Berkeley. There were a lot of riots. There was a lot of violence on campus. It was a real flashpoint. A lot of bedwet and pinko comedy. Right. I heard. <laughs> it, oh my word. It really was. A flashpoint for a lot of things That were going on And what I didn't realize Is if you were doing an undergraduate Or postgraduate studies at Berkeley They said look If the violence is getting you down And just the atmosphere You can transfer without any problem To UC Santa Hmm. Cruz It's a quiet little sleepy town And in that moment There were about 3,000 students Who just went I'm gone
3: Hmm. And suddenly almost
2: Overnight UC Santa Cruz got big Hmm. Quick um, because of
5: that. that. So it's like a little bit of history. Yeah. Um, so it was, like, wasn't UC Santa Cruz where the 420 celebration started too? Yep. Um, it <laughs> uh,
3: oh yeah, it was. But you know, a little uh, uh, motorcycle connection that just yeah. popped in my mind was if you've read Hunter S. Thompson's Hell's Angels, yeah. they talk about the Hell's yeah. Angels and LSD parties mm. not far from here. Oh, up, yeah. Um, in Woodside, what's that little town up Ather-
5: there? Yeah, Woodside of... Uh, uh, La Honda? Yeah, La Honda, La Honda thank yeah. you, Bagel. Yeah, That's where yeah, the uh, so the Merry the Mary Panksters. Yeah, yeah. so yep. Ken Kesey and all the acid trip the, action uh, was happening. Wavy Gravy was there with the mm-hmm. bus <laughs> and all that. And the Hills <laughs> Angels <laughs> yeah. causing problems. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. funky Great little spot in San Francisco. San Francisco. Tell you what. It's it's an interesting little town. Janice lived in, um, I think, Boulder Creek area at one time, too. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah.
0: it is. It's it's not big but because we have so many resources here and and it's such an amazing location um it's brought in a lot of industry here yeah people choosing to live here so let's let's go back let's do some let's do some of the old ones
1: everybody get going your back history
0: to, to we're all <laughs> going to be sharing some stories <laughs> Sorry. about Bill different companies i think emma Which one is older, yours or mine? You you want to start with Plantronics? Yeah, I'm going to start with Plantronics. And
2: Plantronics is an interesting company. Um, It's really the vision of two guys. Um, And they were pilots. And their names were Keith Larkin, and Courtney Graham. And it surprised me when I actually <coughs> found out about the history of this company that it is as old as it was. And it was really founded in 1961. Mm. And these pilots were very, very dissatisfied with the headsets that were available for pilots at the time. As hard as it is to believe, you know, you see the old Hollywood films where pilots actually have headphones on and they pick up a handheld mic mm-hmm. and take their hands off the controls. <coughs> that was a reality. Right up until 1961. Hmm. And the company that really led the charge was Delta, of all people. Because oh. Delta mm-hmm. yeah. had just put in an order for some new DC-8s, which was like the competitor for the 707. I mean, it was very much a very modern jet aircraft. Mm-hmm.
0: And what, what did you have a year about? 61. 61, okay. Um,
2: and... They wanted, you know, better gear. Because, I mean, the idea of a pilot flying a jet aircraft and then reaching up and picking up a microphone, and, you know, you know it was a bit incongruous. Mm-hmm. So they reached out for a lightweight headset. And these two cats came up with the Beans. And they came up with a lightweight headset, which they've constantly refined over the last 60 years. Was the first headset
3: called the Beans? It was called the MS Fifty, which sounds like a Los Angeles street gang. <laughs> it <but> does. Nevertheless, <laughs> was um, it integrated into the helmet? To you?
2: Well, no. This is for airline pilots. Ah, okay, they don't okay. wear helmets, darling. Well, okay. But they, their headsets sure. did end up in a type of helmet. Oh. Um. The following year, in '62, they went to the moon.
6: What? Well, they <laughs> orbited
2: the moon because we didn't actually land on the moon till 1969. <clears throat> But uh, the Gemini program, which predated Apollo, um, again, they were looking for lightweight headsets. And the story goes, um, and it was Grishom, I think it was. Where is he? Yeah, Gus Grisham. Um, he left his standard NASA issue headset behind in the capsule. When it <laughs> splashed down, it sank. Oh, okay. Right. And he needed another one quickly. Mm. And so he got a Plantronics one. And everyone liked it so much. So from that point forward... All the astronauts had Plantronics headsets. Fascinating. And it's just one of those quirky, fascinating... Um, Houston, <clears throat> we have a problem. Yeah. Everyone knows that line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was spoken, spoken over that a was spoken system, yeah. over a Plantronics headset.
0: And the most famous one of all, though...
2: Is one, one giant, small step. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Again, Plantronics headset. Really? So it's one of those quirky things from humble beginnings. But the thing I like the most about this, it's just the vision of a couple of guys, a couple of pilots. Like, this is just Mm. clunky. And, you know, and it kind of dovetails into my Thunderbird. This period in American history, 1960, 61, 62, right up until the assassination of JFK in 1963... This is, I, I, I don't know whether you'd call them the Camelot years, but it's a very, mm-hmm. very interesting period in American history because they would just, the sky
3: was the limit. I the mean, in- innovations were on fire, right? Then, right. That's exactly. what you're referring to. Like we would, we we're talking about Edwards Air Force Base. And look at the aircraft that were being built during that period. They were turning out the craziest stuff left and right.
2: And actually it wasn't just in America. If you look at some of the British aircraft designs from the early 90s, just crazy stuff. It looked like it belonged on a science fiction movie. And it was just a period of time when it doesn't matter. If you can think it, you can build it. So it was. it's a very, very interesting period and a very, very interesting company. And they're still <laughs> based right here in Santa Cruz. Um, actually, did they move to Scotts Valley yet? Because they were... Yes, well, they did. They, yeah. they,
5: uh, They're not well, by they, Costco. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause, uh, you yeah. guys took their place, right? We, yeah, right. My, my they my were
2: on Ensignal Street for a long, long time. And the reason I know that is because I worked for Santa Cruz Metro for a while. And they were right across the administrative office. we were right across the street from yep. Plantronics.
1: Plantronics has merged and gone on to do other things with uh, Polycom <clears throat> and uh, HP. Yeah. Hmm. And now they've, they've moved up to Scotts Valley, which for those of you who are not close to here is like... Five minutes up the road.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's very much Santa Cruz County. But um, interestingly
0: enough, we're going to come back to that campus though that they had.
1: It's a cool. It's a cool office.
0: It's, uh, that office is. We're going to come back to that later on because now someone else moved in there who's on our list. There you go. But um, what I have on my list is go back goes back a little bit lo- longer, 1957. Oh, so right around that time, <clears throat> 1957. A little company called Lockheed. Bought some land in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So Lockheed Martin, as you know it, um, they... Build rockets, basically, and
3: they had a just they had a massive presence over the hill and in, in Moff- Santa Clara County Moff- at moffitt yeah. where they yeah. were doing a lot of West right. Coast missile. They had that
5: crazy black box building, didn't it? It's they, called they? the
3: Blue Cube.
5: Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody kind of knew what was going on in there. And and, you, they still I, don't. They
3: just demo it, but it was yeah. So the West, that was, we're near the West Coast grounds. You were I'm going to
2: I'm going to quote Terry Thomas in "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World." <laughs> it was all very. Hush, hush, and whoosh, whoosh.
0: <laughs> well, in fact, many of us have ridden our bikes up the winding roads up, up to the Lockheed Martin Gate. The road ends, and there's a gate. Yep, yep. And if any of you have experienced what I've experienced, sometimes you find, oh, let's just stop, and take a rest, wait for the rest of the group to catch up. And if you've done this, you might have heard the voice of God. yeah, yeah. Mm from Turn a, a, around! <laughs> you must leave now. What? Where did that yeah. come from? Oh, Bigfoot, what? Where's he? What? <laughs> yep. And you think you're just like just in the woods by yourself? Nope. There are cameras, and there's a loudspeaker somewhere, and somebody will come on and tell you you cannot stay. You must leave right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's just a little facility up in the middle of <laughs> and the. And you're
0: mountains. like, what? what old,
3: d- if you didn't know
1: what it was, it just looks like an unassuming gate off of a it's road. Just, yeah, right? just it's a, just a gate,
0: gate at the end of a road. Well. I've been fortunate enough to be on the campus. I've been in. There. Oh, really? I have. But let's get back to the history. Was that was that when you were back when you were a
5: Russian spy? <laughs> no,
0: no, no. So they bought this land back in nineteen. You just triggered something
5: in the NSA. <laughs> they picked that <laughs> up.
0: Why did they buy land in the Santa Cruz Mountains? Because they were testing rockets. And 57, I mean, this is when they're developing rockets, right? The whole space race, all of that, right? But not just that. Cold War. Satellites. There's a lot of rockets being used for that kind of stuff. And they needed to have land that if something blew up, it wouldn't kill a whole bunch of people. Super remote. It's super remote. So they bought all this land up there. have this big campus. In fact, um, they worked up there on that campus. uh, The U.S. Navy's Trident II D-5 Fleet Ballistic Missile. Um, also, they worked on the U.S. Missile Defense Agency's Terminal High Altitude Area Defense. Isn't that the thing that shoots down missiles in the sky? Yeah, so, that's, that's uh, Star also Wars in effect. The, the space shuttle.
2: Yes. Wow.
0: Uh, mm. But a lot of the satellites that are in the air uh, mm. today were put up there from rocket technology that was developed. So I've been on the campus. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't look all like space agey or sci-fi or anything it's just some buildings but apparently there are a lot of underground um buildings and tunnels and people who like if you go on reddit there are people like oh yeah i heard it goes like 40 feet underground and
2: there's like um, mole people and someone else (laughs) someone else uh, was commenting
0: about like yeah i knew a guy (laughs) he was um a metal worker and every like every now and then the rockets would melt the whole i-beam structure because they they had these pads with I and they bolt these rockets in and shoot them off and they'd melt so it they, and they'd have to come in and replace all the metal.
3: So they were doing things like testing rocket motors and yeah, yeah. all the, like put them mm-hmm. on a sled or whatever. Yeah,
0: so a friend of mine works up there now. That's how I've been on campus and he said, "Yeah, they had these pads. They don't have them there now. They have I think they're out in like Utah now that they're testing it. But they would test <laughs> the big rockets, they bolt them down and test them." So, uh what's interesting, I've been on the campus and there's just some buildings but when you go in, you have to hang a flag on the door so that they know somebody is in the building. It's just part of the protocol for if they have to evacuate stuff. Mm. So they just know where people are. And I was telling you, I saw a on display they have part of a missile, like a section of a missile. And I'm going to try and describe what I saw, and I may be doing it wrong, but it was... If you imagine just a big round section, like just part uh, of the missile out of the middle, and like it had a
2: slice of sausage.
0: Yeah. And it had <laughs> running all around the outside of it, stainless steel braided brake lines, it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Hi- I had hydraulic lines running all over it. And it was explained to me, and that's why I might get wrong, but I'm going to try, that because electronics can be knocked out that this uses these small explosions that force pressure through these braided lines to communicate to different switches. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. it triggers a little...
3: All that stuff's very analog.
0: Very analog. Yeah,
3: all that missile stuff. Yeah,
0: kind of fascinating. So anyway, um, Lockheed Martin right here in Santa Cruz Mountains. Very cool. A lot of...
1: A lot of those little explosive bolts and little small charges (laughs) are made just down in...
3: um, Hollister. Hollister, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. really? There you that go. That little place on the right as you're going towards Hollister Hills. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. someone was killed there not too long ago. Well, yeah. we've we got... exploding s- bolt. S- Some kind of... I think it was yeah, for a uh, passenger thing, airbag. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: We've got so many different things. Jim, I'm, I'm trying to kind of go from old to new, but it's so hard because long history. But I think yours goes back pretty far.
3: Yeah. Hang on just a second. But I was going to say, I was going to go back even further than oh. both of you. Oh, where was surfing invented well not here we know surfing is of course invented in polynesia right but the surf the first surfing happened here in santa cruz in 1885 by three hawaiian princesses who surfed the mouth of the san lorenzo river on planks it was the first time on the mainland right (laughs) yes 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 so that's that um surfing
0: (laughs) that's alternative transportation
3: true yeah, it's a <laughs> generous definition of transportation, but I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I was going to talk a little bit about Jack O'Neill, um, yeah, and yeah. you know Jack O'Neill, he's a surf uh, surfboard and surf uh, gear or clothing, whatever pioneer. He had
0: that patch. He looked like a pioneer. He had
5: a
3: patch. He, he did lose an eye a little later. Well, and
5: oh, eventually motorcycle. I'm sure you're going to get to it, but a lot of I have a lot of O'Neill gear. Different. Oh it's different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. different spell I spelling. thought
0: it was the same yeah. company. No. E. Oh, I am yeah. corrected.
3: Yeah. So there's Jack O'Neill Surf Dude and then there's O'Neill um, motor- motorbike stuff. And uh, anyway, Jack he didn't invent the wetsuit, but he did a lot of uh, refinement I thought to he it. he did? No, they give credit to somebody else. Um, oh. but anyway, did a lot of refinements to the wetsuit and really popularized you know, cold weather surfing in a lot of ways, oh. but instead of talking about a fascinating character, check him out. Um, Jack O'Neill, uh, famous Santa Cruz local. But I thought I would talk a little bit more in the motion into things. So hmm. as most people probably know, besides vampires, Santa Cruz is known for surfing and skateboarding. Yes. Yeah. Right. So we have NHS, right. Is he one of the is the original skateboard company out here. And so a lot of skateboarding goes on here out here. Definitely part of the culture, especially if you ever see any kids between the seven ages of like seven and 15 year olds on skateboards. Cut them a white berth. The grime's get a little crazy, but um, uh, anyway, so uh, a rich culture of skateboarding. So, bear with me, and I will make the nexus to the. Uh,
0: I would just like to say, in 1976, part. I got my first skateboard. It was the big banana.
3: I was going to say the banana. Yeah. I had one of those. I had that. Yeah. <laughs> it was all hard plastic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was a king of the street. Slightly prior to that, in 1973, three dudes: uh, Richard Novak, Doug Hout, and Jace. Um, Sherman, three surf friends from Santa Cruz, teamed up to start the company Scotty just mentioned NHS. So it was their surnames is how they came up with the the, the name. And you also might recognize Doug Hout, who went on from this and created his own surfboard company, Mm. Hout Surfboards. Anyway, um, but in the beginning, they were starting to make surfboards back in the early 70s, and they were having a hard time making things afloat. But a Hawaiian friend came up to him and challenged them with a bunch of extra fiberglass he had to make 500 skateboards. Oh, right. So the first ever Santa Cruz skateboard was in, uh, was in produced in 1973. <laughs> so they made 500 out of that first batch of uh, fiberglass and resin and sold them immediately. So from that moment on, uh, this, the Santa Cruz, it, it came a, uh, a symbol of skateboard culture, right? Uh, nestled <gasps> here in Santa Cruz. Uh, the first, Were they the first
5: one to come up the fiberglass, or,
3: um, skateboard. No, but close. Okay. We're getting there. They may have been, but not, not that I know of. But okay.
1: well, there's a thread here that, that things may not have been invented, but were definitely refined.
3: Ah, yep, You're catching uh, on to uh, it here. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then going Doug Hout uh, was eventually in, introduced into the Surf Builders Hall of Fame for his, skate, uh, his surfboard building. So, anyway, um, originally, skateboard wheels had the old bearings in them that would kind of stick in, in there and they'd fall out and go flying everywhere and all that kind of thing. Well, the big change that happened that came from NHS was uh, they, uh, anyway, hang on, <laughs> just <this> the
0: <laughs> With the integrated.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. Things. So so anyway, up, up until that point, every wheel, including the Cadillac wheels, just had the loose ball bearings in the wheels for mm-hmm. the, to spin. But the birth of the road riders was unorthodox. So the road rider skateboard wheels are what they came up with. So one day, while Richard and Jay were assembling loose ball bearings onto the trucks, something happened that wound up changing the entire skateboard industry. Yeah. And by accident, Jay spilled a wooden cask of 100,000 individual loose ball bearings. (laughs) Oh, geez. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So then uh, they had a a friend of theirs called uh, Anthony Roderick came into the shop, and he was from a Rhode Island company called Quality Products, and he had a sealed precision bearing in his hand. So they were thinking if they could put these precision sealed bearings into skateboard wheels. So lo and behold, uh, with quality production setting up in production, they started making the Road Rider precision skateboard wheel uh, in 1975, and then sold a million sets worldwide. So again, they didn't invent the ball bearing uh, for skateboards, but they didn't refine it to the modern preced- the modern machine precision yeah. ball bearing. Innovate, sealed. refine, mass market. Exactly. Yeah, so anyway, that was my two cents, was well, it's all about ball bearings.
0: I wanted to, to throw in about the Santa Cruz skateboards,
3: mm-hmm.
1: the,
0: what they did to really change the world.
1: They invented hoodies.
0: Nope. But I <laughs> believe that Santa Cruz skateboards is really the first company that used artwork and, and clothing to bring skate gear to the main To the main population, that's a lot of that is because of
3: yeah Jim Phillips,
0: Jimbo Phillips, right? Well,
3: there's two. Don't get them confused. There's Jim and Jimbo. Okay. So so Jim Phillips was the original guy in the 80s that came up with what everyone knows. Are they related? Is the yeah (laughs) the
0: screaming hand
3: (laughs) the screaming hand? So if you've ever seen anything from Santa Cruz, you've seen the screaming hand logo. So he developed that. I want to say sometime in the 80s, and then since that time, and it became a graphic artist for NHS Mm -hmm. and himself. Very popular in Japan, by the way. And if you can get any Jim Phillips stuff in Japan, it's worth a lot of money. Um, but then his son now, Jimbo Phillips, is also a graphic artist and a super cool dude. I know my kids are the same age, growing up and stuff, and lives in town. And he's kind of taken the mantle um, and has run with it. So Jimbo Phillips, you'll see a lot of his graphic art on skateboards. Socks, didn't you get some socks? Yeah, I have Jimbo Maybe Phillips. You'll see it on Socks and other things. But I agree. I think that yep. NHS was hugely, hugely responsible for bringing... Skate culture to the masses yes. And I was
2: going to say, I mean, it's really selling that lifestyle You know, and that's what it was all about It's this whole skate mm-hmm.
3: culture and skate lifestyle mm-hmm. Yeah, and NHS is still alive and happening Down oh, in, yeah, downtown, absolutely. Over in the Midtown area Are they still over in the old cannery? I think so, yeah
0: Yeah All right uh, yeah. How about, John, you want to share something?
5: <clears throat> yeah, I did a um Sorry, I'm getting over a cold, everybody <clears throat> So I uh, I did a bit of a deep dive on Fox which I learned Ooh. a lot.
0: Fox is an Ooh. interesting one.
5: Yeah, so I feel like this, this is this a potential history hole for Emma in the future um, because just, we're just going to scratch the surface here. But so uh, some folks may not know that there's two Fox companies. One yes. is Fox Racing, actually called Fox Head now. Um, that was founded by Jeff Fox. Uh, and they primarily focus on action sport gear, uh, protective equipment and things like that. And then there's Fox Factory... Founded by Bob Fox. Now the way to tell the difference is the Fox head is Fox Racing and the Fox tail on the logo is Fox Factory.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize they were two companies for a long time and then I started like, oh, there's the head, oh, there's the tail. These were brothers? Yeah, they were were brothers. So I'll get get in there.
5: So in the early 70s, um, Bob Fox started the company um, and uh, he was an avid, he was an inventor and a motocross racer and he started uh, using his own motocross designs so in 74 and then a year later after that his brother Jeff joined the company and they could, they marketed the first ever air shock absorber uh, absorber for motorcycles. This was air a huge spring, not air damped. Game changer. No external spring.
1: Right. So yeah. Air spring. Internal yeah. air spring.
5: So and they won and I'll get a little more into that but they won so Kent Howerton won the 1976 AMA 500 championship on a Fox Airshock equipped mm. Husky. Hey Emma.
0: I I I've never I haven't looked this up so I may be throwing you a hard one here when did that become common on a stock
5: bike? let me get to that
0: so you do have that uh because i'm just like I, you realize they went from just springs well, it to... really
5: didn't and we'll, emma will clarify in a yeah. little bit yeah, yeah, but yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that so what happened was is so that took off and and so the issue really why it was advantageous these are just for two shock rear bikes um and the motocross bikes went from like a five to six inch travel and in the seventies when supercross started and some of the more higher jumps started, they went to a, like a 12 inch, uh, um, ground clearance. So in the, so there was a big issue. So Fox stepped up and did the, and did their air shocks for two shock systems on the rear in the early to mid seventies. And it was crazy effective. So really the, the main years were 76 to 78. And by the end of it, um, all, all the racers, uh, incorporated these shocks into it. So, um, it, Fox Factory did make, well, let me back up. So um, it had, uh, the, and the big innovation was it had two chambers, a low pressure chamber for small bumps and the secondary high pressure chamber for, for big hits. So it worked really, really well for about three years. And then motorcycle, motocross bikes started going to the single shock, monoshock. And it just, what happened was, is it was too, the jumps got too big, kind of the road, the train got too, too heavy, and the, the air shocks couldn't compensate for it enough. They would overheat and blow out. Um, and so everybody started to go back to the coil over shocks that we were before. So it was a, it was a brief history that was, you know, really successful. And then, you know, it got overtaken by, uh, by the single shocks. They did make a single shock for, um, for Yamaha. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a, it was a failure. So, um, and the funny thing was, is like that single shock they made for Yamaha, what they would have to do is start the heats, With almost no pressure in the shock, and by the second lap they would start to um, to pump up for the heat, (laughs) and so the riders would, (laughs) so it'd be great at the end of the race and horrible at the beginning of the race. So that's why they just abandoned that completely. Hmm. Um, They also did a thing called the Fox Twin Clicker Shock, which was uh, again for the rear, and it was uh, the first motocross shocks with dual external dampening adjusters for for real ones from for for rear dual shocks. applications but it eventually got moved over and was used by a race car driver named tom sneva who won the uh, 83 indianapolis 500 on fox uh, on these fox twin clicker shocks so they continue to innovate throughout the years um, and then they eventually got into bicycles and off-road stuff and rock climbers and all these other things so they moved away from the from only the air shocks so they still make them some motorcycles still use them like harley soft tails uh, a lot of the cruisers will still use air shocks, but they're not really a good application anymore for race bikes or for motocross bikes. Mm-hmm. They did do a 44-millimeter uh, factory forks. Um, so, they are the first ones to try a aftermarket front setup, but it also was a failure. But they tried it, and other companies um, picked it up from there and made it better. The interesting thing, though, that I read was recently, uh, Works Performance is... they've been messing around again with air shock applications so they haven't made it work yet there was one uh factory team that tried it it was a failure but it's in process now so so some people are starting to try out the air shocks once again so that's um that's the uh the fox factory side of it so um and i don't know emma if you have any thoughts about uh just air versus coilover or any any suspension stuff
2: we you know the um air's great but it does have inherent problems and it's always mm-hmm. to do with heat. The premium shock setup is coils, oil, and an inert gas, which Nitrogen, can be air, yeah, yeah. Um, or it can be n- and that's the premium that you're going to get the best of everything. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's the compromise. one does one job and another does another job. Well
5: one of the reasons they said that they developed the air shock was because as you know, um, if you wanted to change the coil rate on a on a race bike, you have to pull the whole rear shock off, changes, and it's a pain in the neck. If you've ever done it, I've done it. Right. Um, so with the with the innovation that that Fox brought was is that you can just pump it up. Yeah. Right. And, and, it was, totally. and
2: I've I've had bikes in the past, both sport bikes and touring bikes, with uh, uh, shocks on them. Actually, by S and W by mm-hmm. Stuart Warner. And it's a very different
1: ride. Yeah. It's a very, very comfortable ride. There's a really neat thing about air springs, which, aside from just being lighter than a, a coil spring, uh, they ramp up so much more aggressively, especially mm. at the end of the travel, where they become uh, the spring rate basically increases as you start to pile up air pressure mm. in there. So it makes it extremely difficult to bottom out an air spring. Right. It's truly mm. progressive. So if you're really coming down hard from something right. big, it's nice to have is it, a, is it it a progressive the, spring. Is it still the standard for bicycles? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah it it's is. far and away the most common there. You'll see coil spring shocks, uh, both front and rear, on some bicycles because people enjoy that more linear feeling, um, but the it's big, most common, yeah. The big
2: problem before you move on to clothing, and it's, I mean, it's not an insurmountable problem, but it's always been a problem with these things, is you have a choice with a twin shock or a twin fork application you either need a very very accurate way of measuring mm-hmm. and pumping them up if they are independent mm-hmm. or which is the more common you have a bridging device oh. but the problem is with a bridging it's device another thing to break huh? if you get a leak in <clears throat> any leak, of the yeah. joints in any of the lines, your suspension collapses yeah so it's it's one of those things that in theory it's great. But when you throw it out in the real world with all the quirks we've got out here, um, mm-hmm. you know, I I had a GS thousand with air shocks way back in the day, and a sharp stone flicked up and just punctured one of the lines. Yeah. And you're riding, and, on the, yeah. and boom, the whole back of the bike collapsed. No, I I was dead in the water because the rear um, tire was rubbing underneath the fender. <laughs> um, Couldn't go any mm. further. Yep. So well, with you know,
1: the with front suspension though, it might be beneficial because we're seeing a lot more front suspension that has compression just on one side and, and then yeah, damping yeah. on the other side right
5: so maybe there's a, there's a future that's how most the bicycles work by the way so it sounds like people are yeah. starting to mess around with it once again for for race applications cool so the brother jeff in 77 um decided he would he would switch off and focus more on apparel and he created his uh, and the first thing he did was created his own professional motocross team team moto x is
3: this head or tail
5: this is this is head. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Fox Racing is now Fox Head. So it is brilliant happening. how okay.
0: they split it off.
5: Yeah. So they uh, so they got real involved in motocross racing, and but ultimately what they did was, um, uh, they started doing. Uh, sorry, let me get back to my notes here. T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, cool so t-shirts. so they started doing t-shirts and in apparel, and it got really hot. So. And a lot of the um, the racers really wanted their stuff. It was known to be very durable, um, and and a lot of really great colors, which wasn't available before that. So, so Fox Head started out, you know, with nothing, but then grew to be one of the largest apparel um, manufacturers for motocross, and now for bicycle and some of the other applications too. Um, in terms of where they're at now, they're uh, uh, both started kind of locally um, between here and and over the hill into the Bay Area proper. Um, And they've grown. Now, uh, Fox Factory is based, uh, it was bought by a private equity Mm -hmm. company, um, and they're based out of Duluth, Georgia, although they do still have a presence here in Santa Cruz. And the Fox Factory was bought by by Vista Outdoor, who also owns Jiro, which I know Scotty will talk about in a minute, and Bell. So they own they own Giro, they own Bell and Fox, they own Fox Head, they own Remington and Savage. Um, They've sold off their firearms. Oh, they the did sell yeah. off their firearms. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. So they had that. I think they did during the one of the school shootings. They fin- finally sold that off. I don't
1: think they care about that.
5: Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but you know, they were bought out by like a half a billion dollar private equity firm, and, and did, so the Fox brothers did really well. And uh, they're a, a Santa Cruz legend and uh, yeah. Santa Cruz uh, success stories, absolutely,
0: and definitely. I mean, and changed the sport in you know, mountain biking and and motocross.
5: Yeah, and they they
1: have. I mean, <clears throat> one of their things in Georgia now is that they do a huge amount of uh, OEM uh, automotive
5: stuff for like Ford, right? Pickup trucks and things. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. They're big in the in the overlanding community too. You now they're just getting big.
0: Uh, before you do, Jira, uh, I'll do one real quick. <clears throat> this is one a lot of people may not realize crg levers does this ring a bell to anyone oh yeah
3: i have a set of mirrors and stuff too yeah i do
0: yeah they make mirrors rear sets why uh and they were here out of santa cruz Uh, i think they started about 1998 it was interesting the story is um the guy who started and i'm sorry i don't have a lot details because since yesterday they closed their website so all the information i had just disappeared just disappeared but, um,
3: they were always a bit kind of hard to find anything about, but they make great levers,
0: but he would hang out at Laguna Seca when they do a lot of the testing and stuff. And one of the complaints people had, and now Emma, you would recall on even the best like race bikes before that, how would you adjust your levers? Uh, you know, because racers all want to get the levers. Right, Just right, bend
6: right. Them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if
1: you want
0: to do well, the reach. Did they all have, like, the knob you'd have to turn, like, on traditional bikes?
2: Well, if you were lucky enough to have that, I mean, right up until that point, you always ran that compromise, say, with a clutch lever, is you just give it more and more free play until you get the span you want, but then you might not be able to get neutral at a standstill. So
0: CRG, through uh, Constructors Racing Group is what it is, through many different prototypes, so just starting out making levers for friends at the racetrack and then like racers wanted it and turned into a whole company but the roll and click where basically you can just click a lever over with your thumb to change the depth of your lever pretty quickly it changes
1: like the resting position yeah yeah
0: so you can quickly just adjust where your lever sit um so those became very very common and now so many people rip it off and do the same thing i've even seen just stock bikes now have that kind mm-hmm. of lever on it so crg lovers um they were right next to fox down in watsonville and they moved out of there um a while ago i assume they've been bought up by somebody else because now the website just shut down oh. but you can still buy crg lovers so i assume that it got sold yeah. but Jiro, Jiro, Jiro. i had never heard the name Jiro. so i, n-
1: I worked Jiro for I some time yeah yeah, yeah g-i-r-o um uh, for the entirety of the time that I was employed there, close to a decade, um, nobody really cares how you say it. As long as you're thinking about them, so, Giro, <laughs> Gyro, Giro. Nobody cares. They're all the same. Yeah. So uh, Giro cycling bicycle helmets was uh, started, founded, and run here out of Santa Cruz for a long time. Started in 1985.
0: And now, yeah. back then, I think my only option was a big white styrofoam thing and made you look like a ping pong ball. Like
3: yep. the one your science teacher wore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they
1: were they were fairly ugly. And that was why uh, Jim, who I just saw at a bike race this last weekend, he's still out, he's still around, still racing bikes. Oh, yeah? Jim Gentis, who founded the company, um, just didn't think they looked cool because they didn't. So he made some good looking ones. Uh, started off with an aerodynamic sort of advantage racing helmet. It was called the Advantage. Is that the crazy one with the point on the yeah, back? Yeah, the big old point in the back. No. Yeah. no. Um, that was the very first product and then very shortly after that they they brought in some really cool style and and uh, it seems so obvious maybe at the time or in retrospect, but adding colored panels on top of a helmet mm. totally changed the visual perception of the size and shape of the helmet. <laughs> And you could change the colors because they were like these little uh, lycra nets you'd put over the top. Mm -hmm. Um, Shortly after that, they then introduced uh, co-molded helmets with fiberglass inside of them to make them stronger, Mm -hmm. thinner, lighter, make them a lot better. And Giro is here in Ensenal, right across from where Plantronics used to be for a long time. Mm -hmm. In 2006, I think, they were uh, absorbed by Easton Bell Sports, Easton the baseball bat and hockey stick company. Had at that time purchased Aww. Bell Sports or merged with Bell Sports. And then they merged again with Giro. And then that whole conglomeration moved uh, a little ways up the road into Scotts Valley. Um, since then, uh, you know, Giro's gone on to to really mass market and become one of the largest helmet manufacturers in the world for, for cycling helmets. And uh, now they they've actually closed that office. Laid everybody off and everybody who does still work there works down in Southern California out of the Fox head offices. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, oh, yeah, it's a circle. Yeah. All
0: these things. It's a circle. Circles. Wow. Um, so let's see, we got that done. We got that done. Oh yeah. Jiro. They, they yeah, Giro actually, changed everything. My,
4: my first, my first bicycle helmet was a Jiro as a matter yeah. of fact. There
0: you go. Did you know yeah. it came from Santa Cruz?
4: I, I did. As a matter of fact, I, it was printed on the label.
1: Yeah, they were made here in Santa Cruz for a long time. Also, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Bagel, since you just woke mm-hmm. up, uh, you want to talk about one of yours? Yes. Well, it? no, was,
4: I was not napping. Was I was, was resting his eyes. Here. like My dad listening
0: used to say. intently.
4: No, no. Uh, there, there's another Santa Cruz company that some of you might have heard of, uh, which is now known as Zero Motorcycles. There it is. Oh,
0: we're back on motorcycles.
4: Yes, for for once in the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was founded by uh, Neil Salke in 2006. Yeah, uh, originally to build electric dirt bikes, um, mm-hmm. because he had, he previously worked at Santa Cruz Mountain Bicycles, and
6: there you go. Uh,
4: apparently, apparently wanted a, a an off road bike that could be a little bit more, a little bit beefier than your typical electric bike. Um, so, so the, the company he started in 2006 was originally called electric Cross. and, uh, and we had a, had the sole focus of building electric dirt bikes and, uh, they opened their first, uh, they, they were founded in Santa Cruz, but they opened their first shop in Scotts Valley that same year. Uh, their first model was called the electric Cross drift in 2006, which is the first electric dirt bike.
0: I remember uh, but they, seeing this around yeah. town. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And then, uh, but they very soon after that renamed the the company to Zero in 2007 mm-hmm. to highlight the aspect of zero emissions. And uh, they 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 struggled for a little bit, especially after the 2008 recession, um, because that hit right as they were just starting to to, mm-hmm. to get going. But they they regrouped, uh, started coming out with two new models in 2010: uh, the Zero S and the DS. Mm-hmm. Um, upgraded those both in 2012 with a uh, power pack to add the uh, the range of the bikes uh, and then redesigned the bikes entirely in 2013 along with a new model they added the zero fx
0: now can i can i point something out that's interesting yes Mm -hmm. that the fx was the first dirt model but it was it the first? Was the first zero, and it took that long for them to come back around. And do you know mm-hmm. why the first bike was an off-road bike?
1: Didn't have well, to deal with, with mentioned it. Yes,
0: you don't have to deal with all the <clears throat> DOT, all that yeah. stuff. You can just this create is it. True. And so, it's the easiest to market is a non-street legal bike. It's just interesting yep. how long it took them to come back to that.
4: Yeah, yeah. But, but they did go street legal in, t- in 2010 mm-hmm. with the D and the DS. But, um, but t- 2013 is when they, re- they really started hitting their stride with the redesign of the first two models and the addition of the FX. Um, in 2014, uh, they also added the Zero SR. And uh, the power tank became an option mm-hmm. for uh, most of their models, I believe, that same year. Uh, 2016, they came out with the DSR and the FXS. Uh, and then in 2020, they came out with the SRF and SRS models that are the, the ones that just completely blow you out of the water. Um, and, they- and from personal, from personal experience, yeah. I would have to say, the Zero SRF is, is the closest thing I have ever ridden that pres- has, has come to warp speed.
1: Oh. Yeah, they they really kick you. They're fun.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, they really have.
4: Mind-boggling acceleration.
0: Zero has led the charge internationally. No <laughs> pun. In, in oh. electric oh. motorcycles. <laughs> oh. They really have. And uh, even though there's more and more coming out, Zero still is the one who's kind of paving the path. Well, I mean,
2: we talked a little bit about bringing culture to the masses. I mean, the one thing Zero Mm -hmm. has done, they're certainly not the fastest electric uh, motorcycle out there. And, you know, you, you can't really accuse them of being the most glamorous either. But what they've done is, as of right now in 2023, I think they're the only mass production electric motorcycle maker still.
1: Well, that that dovetails perfectly into another thing, which mm. uh, Bagel touched on, which is Santa Cruz Bikes, which came out of NHS, mm-hmm. the skateboard company, um, mm. and Rob Roskop, one of the one of their athletes, wanted to make a mountain bike, and full suspension mountain bikes existed mm-hmm. in in the '90s, um, but one of the first mass marketed and popular successful full suspension mountain bikes was the 1994 Tasman, invented or marketed by santa cruz bikes
0: so santa cruz bikes and santa cruz skateboards how are they related
1: they were originally the same company as i understand it and then they've separated yes they've they've totally moved on to do their own things now santa cruz bikes is owned by a company called pawn holdings now out right. of the netherlands but that doesn't matter oh,
0: we didn't even mention just the name is cool uh who is it is it hyundai who has the santa cruz yeah uh, oh i've seen that lately eh? oh yeah yeah Yeah. we not seen more (laughs) well i have one to share with you i mean talking about uh skateboards going back to skateboards Mm -hmm. there was a company called inboard which may or may not have heard now we see electric skateboards quite often they're really common here but uh they weren't the first company. They started in 2014. They were in the second company to introduce an electric skateboard. But they were the first company to have a swappable battery. Mm-hmm. And um, remember, you see these with, like, I think they had lights and stuff, hmm. but inboard was interesting. Um, it was local guys. One of them this had just
3: this isn't the one wheeler, is it? No, this, this just, is a
0: skateboard with four wheels. Is this the
3: word they have like the little remote control in their hand? Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And the the My guy was a uh, yeah student UC Santa Cruz developed it just for getting around campus. And people were like, I want one, mm-hmm. and he partnered with some friends and turned it into a company. And they did things different. There was another company that was making electric skateboards but they were the first ones to do swappable batteries, make it really easy. And it blew up. They even went on Shark Tank. Got like 750. 750- this is recent. Yeah, well, it started in
1: 2014.
0: Okay. Um, and it was just blowing up. They sold thousands and thousands of units. But like many companies, they got too many investors on board and they were looking for the what's next before they'd even really like really established themselves in the skateboards and they said electric scooters will be the what's next. They were making deals, signing contracts, and then some of the investors felt like, Oh, we're not sure we wanna stick with that. People started pulling out, the shark tank guys pulled out and they were just sold off and folded. Oh. Just come the company was just folded and it's it, by I think it was not just a few years later. But um the electric skateboard—they really did change things and were a step, you know, on the way here in Santa Cruz. But yeah, the, the tragic way that many and now there tech are companies scooters go. Scooters
1: all over the planet that you can go and rent for the hour and have a good time with. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah. So that was inboard. Um, who wants to take one wheel? Bagel.
4: Well, yeah. I I've been looking into one wheel. This is a very interesting one, uh, which uh, got, got mentioned a minute ago. Uh, this yeah. is. A sort of electric skateboard, but sort of different.
0: describe it we see uh, them all over here
4: yeah we Just, know what they are but right yeah. we, and, and we we're, we're kind of used to them I'm not sure if they're so ubiquitous in the rest of the country or the rest of the world Oh there are there uh,
0: are there they have like races and uh, they a whole thing is cropped up in these <clears> yeah. They're
1: around the world but they're sure. still pretty. <laughs> Weird looking. Right. <laughs> They're weird. Right. I don't
4: think the, the world's quite used to them yet or, or knows what they are. So let me describe basically what it is. Yeah. The, the, the original idea of the one wheel is to replicate the feeling of snowboarding slash surfing on dry ground. Um, so it has a feel that's similar to skateboarding but different with more of a floating feeling while you're still steering, accelerating, and stopping just by leaning.
0: So did you remember, did you describe? It's one wheel.
4: It's it's one wheel <laughs> in the a, center of the board. The center of the board yes. with a pneumatic so, tire, which is the magic yeah. which makes it feel yeah. floaty. Exactly, it's so a go see, kart a tire, scary? isn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah, it's a go kart yeah. tire.
4: Yeah. yeah, small pneumatic tire in the middle of this board, kind of a wide, long board that you put one foot on either side of this wheel, and if you lean forward on the board, it will go forward. If you lean backward on the board, it will slow down and eventually stop. If you tip your feet to lean it to the right, it will turn to the right. So it's it's kind of a, a genius well, the, a,
1: a genius idea. The forwards and backwards is computers. The left and right is because you're leaning, right? true
4: yeah, it's Yes. because you're turning a yeah. wheel. just like for the motorcycle, when right you're leaning. yeah yep. so the the original idea as, as from what I had had been able to gather, uh, was uh, invented by a guy named Ben Smither in 2007. Uh, but very soon after that, uh, a fellow named Kyle Dir- Dirksen uh, grew, uh, got together with him and developed developed this concept over the next eight years uh, into something that could actually be ridden reliably and could be mass produced. And so, in 2013, they they founded a company called Future Motion. To manufacture mm-hmm. the uh, the board and, and launch the company on a Kickstarter in January of
3: 2014. Were they over <clears> the uh, the old Wrigley building? Yeah, they were now? in the Wrigley yeah. building. Exactly. You didn't yep. know where they, Wrigley gum used to be made. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they Not they, they started.
4: Yeah, they set up the headquarters there in 2015 after a, an immensely successful Kickstarter. They ran. They raised something like over six hundred thousand dollars, I think. Um. And uh, so they, they started up in the Wrigley building, eventually expanded to a 60,000 square foot facility <laughs> in Santa Cruz.
0: Yeah. I remember and they were just in one of the units. You where see
4: is guys that?
3: 60,000 square feet. Oh, yeah.
4: Yep. It's taken yep. off. So they're, yeah. They're, they're manufactured here and produced here and everything. Uh, and they've had a, a number of different models over the years. Uh, the, the first one they came out with in 20, 2014 um, was their original one wheel. Then in 2017, they came out with a One Wheel Plus, uh, which uh, had a top speed of 19 miles per hour and a seven to mi- five to seven mile, mile an hour range. Uh, the One Wheel Plus XR in 2018 had a uh, 19 mile per hour, per hour uh, top speed, but a 12 to 18 mile range. Uh, the One Wheel Pint in 2019, which is kind of a scaled down version, has a 16 mile an hour top speed and a six to eight mile range. Ah, uh, the one wheel pint X that came out in twenty twenty one has an eighteen mile an hour top speed, twelve to eighteen mile an hour, or sorry, twelve to eighteen mile range. Mm-hmm. Well, then, then you come up to the the current uh, model, uh, top of the line models, which are the GT series. Uh, the GT came out in twenty twenty one, which has a twenty mile per hour top speed and a th- twenty to thirty two mile range. <laughs> and then the GTS which now has uh, from 20 which came out this year 2023 a <clears clears throat> 25 mile an hour top speed and a
1: 16 to 25 mile range stands and, for grand touring fucker and these these th- these speeds that we're talking about yeah. are they're, they're relatively low compared to most motorcycle speeds but oh my gosh when you're
3: standing <laughs> yeah, on a single <laughs> oh of board, superman is, off that thing yeah you are yeah.
4: cooking. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're you're on a floating board doing 25 miles an hour. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. On a and dirt yeah, road,
1: yeah, it's gnarly. Y- I'm
4: sure yeah, they're
2: you- safer than a scooter as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> depends on the pilot. At least sexier. No, I'm kidding. Well, oh, I, all I, it all just just on kidding. Who's on just board. kidding.
0: I've seen where they've created these like racing circuits. There, it's like supercross on one wheels on dirt. Oh yeah, they're yeah, sliding it, around corners. Yeah, yeah. doing jumps. These, these
4: are these are these are not just street bound vehicles. These yeah. are all terrain one wheel. Boards that you can take into into on trails on grass and dirt, you mm-hmm. know, uh, like they've they've got torque, you know, they can they can climb an incline. Um, they're they're rugged. They've got a very solid aluminum frame. They can handle bumps. Uh, there's video of people doing jumps on them and everything. I mean, these are these are like some serious like board sport vehicles.
1: One of the first times I saw somebody on one wheel, they were going from from the highway down to four mile to go surfing. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. it, on the one, no, no, on uh, on the dirt road that oh, goes down oh, to the that beach like okay from from the highway down to the beach. Oh, that's They're brilliant. Oh, that. With the surfboard, of go. course, yeah. yeah.
4: And 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 Liza, yeah. They also involve something which I think is one of your favorite words: controversies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those crab cake. Oh, from the crab breaking <laughs> thing. Controversies, clam bake. They, they've had Clambake. a few, yeah. and so let me let me get into these two because this is important. Um, they have a con- controversy about right to repair.
0: Oh, oh, right.
4: Yeah, they they added a a feature uh, on their boards that if you try to disconnect or service or tamper with the battery in some way, it will entirely brick the entire unit. Ooh. So you you are basically not allowed to do anything with the battery unless you return it to their one service center that they have working on these things,
1: yeah, they're, wow. it's a real warranty and, challenge.
4: Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they do this uh, citing the need for safety because with you know lithium batteries and you know sensitive electronics, yada yada. I. Maybe there's a case to be made there, but it does seem like this is a bit of a, an overreach. And I, and bit, well, I a almost bit bit, saw Emma go, go full plasma.
3: Emma oh, almost no, went full on. plasma down at the uh, Vetter Ranch one time.
4: Exactly. <laughs> and,
2: you know, the thing is, <laughs> I am going to play devil's advocate a bit with this, because generally, yeah. right to repair, I'm a huge advocate of. Everyone should mm-hmm. have the right to work on their own vehicle without yeah. any fear of warranty. However, the one-wheel is clearly one of the vehicle with a very, very high potential to wring your bloody neck on. <laughs> and it I'm sure it's very electronic heavy. Has it got a gyroscope it in is. it? Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, it's got multiple gyroscopes,
1: yes. Oh, God, no. You can't fix that yourself. Well, there is a, a well a, a sizable aftermarket and repair... Industry there for these is. things, right? But yeah. you,
2: you know, the thought of somebody thinking, "Oh, I can fix this in my shed," oh, and then but, falling off it and hurting themselves quite badly.
4: Well, yes, I mean, if you if you if you did repair it improperly, but remember, uh, Emma, the, these there are a lot of boffins who are into these, <laughs> so no. the, the, there are a lot of people who know what they're doing who who want to be able to to repair and customize these if they if they could. But the company just is is putting up these roadblocks intentionally to prevent them from doing that. And that's that's where the the controversy comes from. There is an after there's a
2: lively aftermarket
1: well for for some models and not others. Okay.
4: And for some parts. You know. And but but there but one of the things that they they were adamant about originally was they would not even allow their users to replace the tires on them. Oh well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Couldn't change your tire without sending it to the service center. Now they they that's the one thing that they have relented on from what I found out, so it is now possible for you to have a, a, an independent service center change the tire for you.
0: Well, um, it's not a problem for us, the they're theory. just up the street.
4: <laughs> well, this is true. So um well, Cool. So and they now they're they're having a couple of other controversies that I think are important to talk about, All right? Uh, just very quickly, um, uh, there's an episode of ghosting that happened uh, <laughs> that apparently was very uh, prevalent with the GT model, where if you came off the board, the board would continue without you. <laughs> uh, and
0: that, that was, like a MotoGP uh, bike.
4: Uh, yeah, so yeah. that was that was a little defect that they found. Uh they did issue a recall uh where they recalled over 20,000 units, but they did fix that one. So props to the company for for make, making good on that. Um there have been other issues I heard about with like circuitry where they're using some connectors that are getting overloaded by the amount of power, uh some wiring supports and wiring that breaks. Um, I wasn't able to find out a whole lot about whether they issued any sort of fixes or recalls for that, but one would hope they've they've been addressing those, but the biggest one that I found was the issue of what's called as what's called nose diving. Mm, oh yeah. Yes. This is, this is a bike that you are balancing on. And if you can think about it, you're basically on a seesaw, you know, with one foot on either side of it. And if you push the forward side down too far, when you're traveling at speed, you're going to bury the nose into the ground. And that board's going to come, come to a stop really quick and you're not. <laughs> so uh, that's been happening to a couple of users who have basically pushed the board too far and literally pushed the nose into the ground, and they've gone flying. And it's resulted in in at least a couple of deaths from what I've heard. Good Lord.
3: Oh, my. Yeah.
4: yeah. And and so there's there's a concept mm-hmm. with these boards, which is known as pushback, where the board gives resistance to you when you're pushing it forward uh, in order to accelerate so that it was able to to translate that into forward motion through the wheel but if you push more than than the motor of the the bike is able to push back against your foot you're still going to be able to to nose plant essentially so so when you ride these things you have to learn that there's a very uh very fine balance Where you can only accelerate so much and you can't push it indefinitely and try to make it accelerate more than it can, because that's when you're gonna push yourself past this pushback zone and
3: and go right into the
4: ground. I bet you learn that pretty
3: quick <laughs> yeah. once all the flesh is off your hands. <laughs> like,
4: yeah. Out. And and so this is this has become a, a very big uh Contrivacy. issue because <laughs> A controversy because the CPSC, the Consumer Product Safety Council, issued a warning letter in November 22 against the company, um, basically saying that uh, this is an unsafe uh, product that they do not recommend people use, uh, essentially. probably
0: made it more popular. Well, it could. It has that (laughs) potential. It makes it really challenging for a lot of
1: big retailers.
4: Right, and that's where that's where the problem comes in because you know it becomes yeah. a liability for companies to sell this thing. So then it it's 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 on future motion to be able to market this directly to consumers instead. So so that limits their you know their channels of of being able to sell these. Um, the company has uh, has has responded to this. Um, they did issue a recall for all one wheels in response oh, to this. Interesting but the recall is a firmware update. Hmm. Uh, and basically what, from what I understand it does is it, it provides a a, a set of, or basically it provides haptic feedback to the user in, I guess, sort of a rumbling or, or pulsing feeling when you're pushing against that, the limits of that pushback function. <laughs>
6: sure.
4: So b- before you push through it, it gives you a warning now. So that, and, and honestly, I think that's, that's a pretty good response yeah. because that way, it still gives users the the ability to to ride these things, to to uh, take the responsibility and assume the risk, uh, and balance that with the fun that they can have on these.
0: And as because long as they're wearing their Giro helmet,
4: Giro yeah, Giro helmet and, and pads helmet for that. and other Fox gear that could keep them safe. <laughs> exactly, and all the Fox yeah gear. Uh, You know, that's and that's also something the company recommends is, you know, to wear safety gear because this is, after all, a board sport, just like snowboarding, just like skateboarding. You can seriously hurt yourself, even even surfing. You know, you can kill yourself doing that.
0: okay we got it. bagel
4: (laughs) But that doesn't make it illegal. You know, that should that should still make it possible for people to do it. And, you know, CPSC back off and fix your own stuff.
0: Thank you very much, Bagel. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. I've got a couple real quick ones that I think are going to fascinate you. And I'm going to, this is transportation adjacent.
2: I'm already fascinated.
0: Hey, Emma, have you ever uh, sold anything on eBay Motors? How did you post it? How how did you post it? What do you mean? Uh, How did you post an item on eBay Motors?
2: You go to eBay Motors and you just post it for sale. You have to take a picture of it. Yes.
0: With your phone? Yes. Well, so this is, that's transportation, right? (laughs) Adjacent. Well, did you know, back in nineteen. Ninety-seven, the first ever cell phone image was taken and and transmitted. Cell phone in in Santa Cruz.
2: Cell phone image.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because uh, Philippe Kahn, he was a guy who (laughs) had had a tech company called (laughs) Borland here, which he, uh, after Borland, his his wife was in labor at the hospital, and he really wanted to be able to just take a picture of the baby and submit it. But there there was no cell phone, so he went to Radio Shack and bought some stuff, solder and stuff, and he connected his computer to his cell phone, wrote some code, boom, sent the first-ever cell phone image and from from here in Santa Cruz. And the caption was,
2: Aujourd'hui, (laughs) c'est ma bébé. Um, So that's pretty
0: cool right here in Santa Cruz. But did you know he then went on to start another company that created... um, Software and sen- sensor-, sensor sensors that sense your um, your heart rate, your uh, your your body, everything. Basically, the Fitbit. Right, joggers wear the Fitbit watch. The I wish I had a smart to send smartwatch, all that stuff. My level that was of boredom, all developed right? by him. <laughs> it's used by different different companies. In fact, there are automotive industry is going to have some of these sensors in the cars to sense, you know, your body what, what's going and to communicate with the car. It's pretty fascinating how much this guy's like, you know, code and ideas is how many industries it's gone into. Another industry you'd be surprised that came out of Santa Cruz, and again, transportation adjacent, I'll make the connection. Did you know that CrossFit started in Santa Cruz?
6: Actually, I did know that. Yes.
0: and And, Do you know how that company got its name?
2: Because when people say to me, Emma, you need to get fit, I get terribly cross, (laughs) (laughs) because I like being fat.
0: Did you get it all out? You good? No, in fact, it was a... Uh, yeah, I got it all out. Thank you. No, this is a a, a husband and wife uh, developed Macmillan McMillan it. and wife, no doubt. And back in 95, their first clients were the Santa Cruz Police Department, who was right on the other side of the fence from us right now.
2: Too many donuts up to that point. Now,
0: how is that transportation adjacent? What is one of the uh, main... What, what's one of the, the tools that they use in this whole CrossFit?
5: Beating a tire, no, tractor, tires. tractor
0: tires, so, just transportation. CrossFit, which is now all over the world, but that came from Santa Cruz. So I want to share that. But we kind of been saving, kind of I think the coolest, as well as the most recent. And going back to we were talking about Plantran Plantronics. Oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. over there on the west side. I I was I didn't even know that they moved out. I had a lot of friends who worked there. I didn't know they were gone. And I was I was surprised when I drove by one day. I'm like, hey, I wonder if so and so at work, and I saw Joby.
1: Yeah, Joby Aviation. Oh,
0: on the building. I am like, Wait a minute.
1: What? What's a Joby?
0: Now Joby's been all over the news, at least here. Bagel, are you seeing? Have you heard of Joby? Are you seeing on the news up there too?
4: Uh, not. I don't really watch local news so much, but I, I, I've seen a few little things about it online.
0: Well, we're fortunate enough that uh, one of us works at Joby. I do. You do, Scottie. I do, yeah. So tell everyone if they have not heard of Joby Aviation. Yeah, this Cause is. this is some. This is pretty rad. Yeah. Uh,
1: we are developing yeah. and manufacturing an electric vertical takeoff airplane that will be used for our own. Taxi service uh, to help people get around, save time when they're they're going places. So this you're is...
3: you're basically talking about
1: an uh, an air Uber potentially. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is an air Uber. It's about the size of a of a small car, pilot plus four passengers. Vertical takeoff airplane. So it's not a helicopter. Correct. Yeah. It it can take off and land vertically, like you might have seen an Osprey or a, a variety of other aircraft. But then the rotors the the propellers tilt yeah. forwards and it oh. becomes a normal wing-borne um, um, aircraft tilt rotor aircraft <laughs> have you seen these no i i see this
2: all the oh, time because all over the place yeah yeah, yeah. i in marina mm-hmm. um it's often flying around uh. over my shop yeah
3: and you, usually so, wow. it, usually like, in the
2: company of a couple of Bell Jet rangers it's seldom alone yeah, do you yes. wave your boobies at it yeah i always do mm-hmm.
3: yeah
0: so to describe it it looks like a drone it does scaled up
2: it's a yeah looks like a drone carrying an egg in a <laughs> <Yeah>. giant scale.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, so they're right here in Santa Cruz and down founded, near you? Here,
1: yeah, yeah, founded here in Santa Cruz, and we're building them around this now, area. Now, is this
0: the first flying taxi company? Because there's a couple.
1: There's there's a few others out there. This is unique in that uh, we are developing these things with the intent to operate them entirely by ourselves. We're not planning to sell these things to anybody who wow. wants to use so them for whatever it's, it's they want, it's a
2: complete company.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, are these unmanned?
1: Uh, the term Un-piloted. we use is piloted. Yeah. No, there are pilots in these things right now. The uh-huh. ones that uh, you've probably seen, if you're down in the marina area, are remotely piloted. Um, so that. Hence, the company of helicopters. Because yeah, I'm sure the
2: pilots. Flying it by remote control in one of the Chase helicopters.
1: No, no, no. The pilot's on the ground.
2: Oh, the pilot's yeah, on yeah. the ground.
1: But oh. then recently there was a demo, uh, and we've been doing more, more and more piloted things. So that you, you can get it. If you're one of our pilots, you can get in the thing and fly it around.
0: All right. Have you have you been up in one? No. Ooh. Can't wait. Super excited. So the whole concept here is rather than call a taxi or an Uber, yeah. you call um, a Joby who mm-hmm. will show up, pick so, you up. And take you where you and want to And I mean, to. Yeah. theoretically, for Bay Area traffic,
2: it's an incredible solution because you know it's going to be expensive. However, when you get up to a certain place in a company, say you're the CEO
1: or the CFO or something,
2: and you well, absolutely well, do you think it's going to be
1: cheap? Well, the target, the the price target is has always been very widely talked about. Right, is that the 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 target price would be to match whatever.
3: A ride share would be. So, <laughs> so for okay. instance, yeah. wait, wait, so if I was gonna say I gotta catch a flight out of San Francisco airport, if which is roughly an hour drive and plus getting it out of the car and all that shit, yeah. I could take a super shuttle or whatever, or I could There's, take those a those are still
0: like hundred bucks. I could take
3: a yeah. service. Well this or, would be equivalent to say like an Uber. Yeah. If or I got an Uber yeah. from here to
6: SFO so like 150
3: hundred, bucks. Yeah. Which people do. Bucks. But yeah. you don't fuck with traffic, you don't And it takes twenty minutes. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah.
6: yeah.
0: So this is not for the for the ceos this is for everyone everybody yeah and well well that's cool this is pretty and so the, they will be unmanned at the time
1: piloted they will be piloted
0: they will be piloted from the ground
1: no no from the okay so you'll have a film. pilot so yeah, yeah. it'll
0: be just an air taxi yeah because i i asked because so many of these like unmanned you know you're remotely
1: piloted or unpiloted are, yeah well
0: just cars like they just got Oh, that was Oh, there's cats. Oh, like they the Waymo They just got recalled. Yeah, 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 from San Francisco. No, this is
5: not that. Yep. So you're not, they're not working, or Joby's not working on AI to drive these yet. No? I'm not aware of that. Yeah. It's also not my, my job there, so right. I'm, I don't
2: know. Interestingly enough, um, for those who have been listening to the podcast for many, many years, um, you will remember Misfit Isaac. Who is currently working for Jovi as well. Mm. It's quite oh, a it's quite that. a player in the employment yeah. stakes in uh, um what? marina certainly. Yeah, I didn't know Isaac was working for Shaw yeah, yeah. is yeah.
3: working for Joby. I did not know. I'll have to look him up.
0: Oh. So this is
2: uh, And you, you know Ian, don't you? english here. oh yeah. yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah i work
1: on his bike he's fabulous
2: so this has is like been egg.
0: getting a lot of funding and is like is happening there's test flights being done
1: any day the weather's clear
0: what is the projected uh, date for civilians for it's, you know for you know
1: pretty sure it's, it's still 2025
6: 20, wow it's, not wow, it's close. Yeah. oh
0: my gosh
2: close isn't yeah. it yeah. that's really cool
0: can we get it can we get on a list
2: I want to get on the list myself. I want to get on know. the list. <laughs> yeah. I want to get on the list. I tell you what the most disconcerting about thing about this machine is. It's so quiet. Yeah. There oh. was, I was shown, you know, I met um, Ian. The mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. What's he do? He's quite well up there, isn't he? I don't know, but he's a really swell guy. Yeah. So I met this English fellow. Um, he brought a Ducati down at t- to Motor Town for me to work on. And he's a... Fairly big wig down at Joby. And he showed me a video of the founder talking in a normal Mm -hmm. voice. And the aircraft just took off behind him, about 10 feet behind him. And he was just talking in a normal voice. It's very, very quiet. That that happened
1: recently, too, at a demo in New York City. They were doing a, a demo in some heliport there near Manhattan
2: isn't
0: that's rotor technology that's come out of oh, drones yeah. right uh the we, quiet...
1: we've been doing some cool stuff
0: but but I'm saying to be making them quiet the drone technology Dr- and the rotors well drones that's... have
1: like a really specific sound that I think we all can be annoyed by
0: no but they can make them silent they've changed the mm. the the rotors to we're doing we're shows. doing
1: tricky things yeah with yeah our, it's pretty cool so, stuff so they're doing a demo and somebody's talking and the thing takes off behind them and they're like hang on we can't hear it and it's like yeah that's the point
0: how many people does it see <laughs>
1: Uh, four plus the pilot.
2: Oh. So you could we could all go to SFO together? And so
5: then, yeah. is the technology, I mean, an Osprey just dropped out of the sky, I think, last week again. Is the technology better than what we see on the Osprey? Well, it's, it's about 60 years newer. Ospreys, <laughs> no, mm, the, no, os, I don't the know Osprey just it, came out 10, 15 years ago. You're talking about the helicopter. The helicopter, yeah, the yeah. vertical takeoff. Well, I mean, the, no. the
3: Osprey are a lot more reliable now. The Marines and Navy I mean, one fly. just crashed like a week ago. Though. I know, but they fly them yeah. constantly. Um, and it's like, unfortunately, things and fly, without crash trying sometimes. to sound
2: like I'm trying to throw the military under the bus. And I promise you, I'm not. The threshold for safety in the military is set a lot lower than the threshold ah, for safety yeah. for the FAA. So if the FAA actually give this thing a license then it probably is good. It's you know? gonna be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know um, military, you know it's part you're in the military, there's an element of risk involved. Right. And which is why you don't often see military aircraft being turned into airliners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like C-130s. Right. So why wouldn't C-130 be an airliner? It'd be great. In some places it's Big, it it's quiet, but uh, yeah, the DC
5: three did, but yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that, I think yeah, the DC three came before the military version. Oh, interesting.
0: And I will say, top tip: I bought some stock in Joby, and it's been doing well, so I bought some. Very more. good, oh, thank May you. May want to check um, it out.
5: Mine went the other direction. J-
0: J-O-B-Y
5: <laughs> Yeah, J O B Y. Before we please m- buy some, eyes go up before <laughs> we move away
2: <laughs> from Santa Cruz um, innovative transport companies. Just really as a postscript, mm-hmm. um, I do want to mention Santa Cruz Metro. Um, yeah, I forgot they, you had that one Yeah, I mean, I've got a connection Because I worked for them kind of at the time But they were a very Very early adopter Of zero emissions mm-hmm. And when yeah. you actually drive <clears throat> transit And you say, look, we're going to make Things zero emission It's not the easiest thing to do And they bought into it big time um, If you actually Go down their base, they've got this giant Compressed natural gas tank which they refuel the buses at about like 3,000 PSI. Um,
5: they're considered zero emission with natural gas?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, they're completely zero emission. And if you look at a Santa Cruz Metro bus, it's got a it's got a hump on the roof.
0: And it also has a banana slug on the side. And a
2: banana <laughs> yeah. slug on the side because <laughs> yeah. that's where the fuel is. The fuel's on the roof because, of course, it's lighter than air. Uh, so if you have a leak, it just vents up into so atmosphere. So they don't actually
5: put banana slugs in the
2: tank. Um, no, but it's, um, they slums. really jumped in and took quite a few risks um in order to provide zero emission transportation and i'm not going to lie not all of their buses are zero emission you know they've got a couple of hang-ons that are still running diesel but they're very much considered backup buses um but it was not an easy transition by any stretch and they really kind of went the distance and i want to say they were one of the first in california
3: so, um, I think UCSC did a lot of that as well. They'd kind of taken the buses to the next level of
0: yeah, that, environmentalism. Yeah, that's what she's referring yeah. to,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Metro or UCSC? No, the Metro. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. I was talking about UCSC, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Well, the two kind of work, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of – they're kind of siblings who don't really get along. I mean, a lot of retired Metro <laughs> like, like the drivers... Fox Brothers? Yeah. A lot of retired Metro drivers go and drive up for UC Santa Cruz because, you know, the pay's good and the hours are easy.
3: That is quite as much vomit to clean out of
2: the house yeah, at the right, end of the shift. exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, there's a, a lot of technology yeah. shared between the two. Um, but there's very little love lost between me and uh, Santa Cruz Metro, but... You know, fair deuce. They they were very early adopters, and they, they really went the distance with it. So,
0: Well, there you go. And I was just going to add one more thing to this
2: list. Not one more thing, one surely. More, oh my! One more
0: thing. One more thing. The number one motoculture podcast in Woo! the world Whoa! right here out of Santa <laughs> Cruz. It's Cleveland yeah. Moto. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. <sure>. Oh. <laughs> um, isn't that cool, though? When you really look at all the technology and all yeah. the stuff, all the way up to... Joby aviation which is cutting edge right now yeah. going to change the world and We're hopefully take happen. cars off the road make it safer for bikes mm-hmm. it it all there's so much for for decades it's it's innovation happening here. Yeah, it so just happens in my california. question
2: yeah. is in this little
1: pocket too yeah. Yeah. so
2: here is this rinky-dink little seaside town in california so does it breed innovation in that you become inspired when you live here, or do you think it attracts the kind of people who want to innovate?
5: I think it has a connection to Silicon Valley, kind of ancillary, that we get a lot of run over from, right. and yeah. connection there. And you know I how
2: Silicon it? Valley actually started? It was the engineering department at Stanford. Right. That's why Silicon Valley exists, because Xerox, of Stanford yeah. U, I think
3: you can make a case that earlier on, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, Santa Cruz or these pockets of California were innovative in their own way. They were creating culture and creating lifestyle and creating things that were, were right. new to the world. Came
0: from the hippies, man.
3: Yeah, I mean, fully, yeah. right? Yeah, and, yeah uh, make tea, not war, man. You know, but I don't, you know, it, like, you know, Jimbo Phillips would tell me stories about his dad, like, spraying this hobo living in a van across the street with a garden hose and chasing him with, you know, shears and stuff like that. Right. You know, so I think we all know things were a little different back in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And I think there was a lot more like raw innovation coming out of this area, you know, whether it was Silicon Valley yeah. um, or whether it was cultural things here. Um, but I think now I don't know, because Santa Cruz, we well, look at how much a house cost here. Well back, that, well, back it, to motorsports. I too. mean, Pleasure I Point used that, to be a slum.
1: Connection, though, and well, our connection to Silicon Valley is pretty
0: recent.
3: Yeah. yeah, unless you played Atari. Atari was invented in Sunnyvale. It was. There
0: you go. Well, yeah. hey, free your mind, and the rest will follow. So, yeah, I'm proud of Santa Cruz, but I mean, not just that it is some of the best riding in the in the world. We're very fortunate where we live. We have year round riding and just really a lot of really cool cultures that have come out of it and all different alternative transportation. So there you go. Um, I wanted. Oh, and to, the oldest
3: wooden roller coaster on the West Coast.
0: There you go. Yeah, we didn't even get to the boardwalk.
3: And the best motorcycle co-op in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: there you go. <laughs> well, not everyone agrees with you. In oh. fact, oh. we've got an email. It's a little bit controversial, and we're trying to be open-minded but let's get to this. John, can you read that email? Yeah. You so have? this
5: is from Mike G. Hey, Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, Mike. Mike. Uh, so, hello, motorcycles and misfits. I would like to touch base on a theme that is occasionally touched in, on in the podcast. How best does someone learn and how to work on bikes? Having visited the garage, I've observed a couple different styles. One is where the more skilled person jumps in, say, helping with a tire change, <coughs> Emma, <laughs> and the other is hands off. That the person will learn best if they figure out figure it out for themselves. I'm asking you to consider that there are two learning opportunities at the garage. One is that of an unskilled or semi-skilled person riding a bike in with the hope of getting something done. The other learning opportunity is for you, M, on how to best to mentor, teach, helicopter coach, assist, etc. I'm curious if, there, if there's history with riders having expectations about getting something done, and y'all are on the hook when it is sundown and there are tools and parts laying about. If not great, yet asking if there's a pain point for you that influences your approach to interacting with the randomness of riders that show up on any given Sunday would you be open to reconsider how you approach these situations letting you know that from a visitor perspective visiting on Sunday can also be intellectually overwhelming given all the things that's going on i'm suggesting the hands off approach may not be effective for you or them same with the hands on approach etc uh for example It's great to have the rider back on the road, but you are not compensated to do so. I'm asking if you could reevaluate your approach. Maybe identify your boundaries first, but switch it up a bit by taking a step back and explore approaches. The discipline of mentoring in particular has some subtle skill sets that are worth experimenting with. It doesn't mean that you do the work, but to evaluate if someone is set up to accomplish what is needed. Getting different people to commit to work together is is sometimes the charm, even if it means pushing it out to another date. A larger perspective is that the M&M and the recycle Garage are both wonderful and unique and that other communities look at you as an example of what is possible. I only want to encourage you. Thank you for your time. Surfing Mike.
2: Now, you got more steamed up about this than I did, didn't you, later? You didn't, I you? thought that was a lovely email. Very yeah. thoughtful. So Thank you, It was very Mike. thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to address yeah. it, if I may, um, to... Oh, there's the train
3: christmas christmas edition yes it is the christmas Christmas lights train
2: train. um if you think that we just approach this with two basic techniques we don't
3: there's no technique at all there is (laughs) it's a crapshoot and
2: that's largely unless you bring donuts
3: then you'll get (laughs) some attention
2: because when you introduce the human element into Mm. anything there are no rules. I mean, everybody is completely different. Everybody has got wildly different skill sets. And I've found over the years that I've been down here, you can't just say somebody is not mechanical and mechanical. Somebody may not be capable of doing a tire change, but be very, very happy doing an oil change. And what I've found is the, the Recycle Garage has never pitched itself as a place where we will fix your bike. Now, sometimes we do, but that's largely out of circumstance rather than design. Every person knows that the Recycle Garage is somewhere where you're going to work on your own bike, and that is common knowledge. I will step in as the only professional mechanic here. I will step in and help if you need it. But as you've observed many times, Jim, on a busy Sunday, I'm spreading myself
1: pretty damn thin. Well, it's part of the magic is that there's so many amateur mechanics around. Uh, Right.
2: And I mean, it's like corralling cats. But the fact of the matter is most everyone leaves with their bikes repaired. Nobody rides down the road and has a wheel fall off and kill themselves.
3: Well, your fender did one time (laughs) and almost (laughs) killed (laughs) you. Right, not wearing a helmet.
2: Yes, or any mm. safety gear, and hurting myself quite <laughs> badly. But the the we there's a lot more thought in how we treat people as an individual entity yeah. than that email
3: would assume. Well, I I what I like about his emails, it's such a thoughtful approach, right? And it's just like, is, is are there better ways, or maybe it's not always you know a cook. Or maybe you don't approach it the same way all the time. And I like that. But the thing about the garage, when you come down here, it's never the same one weekend from the next. And it's usually rather chaotic. So and, and to, to approach it a certain way is when the day starts out. It's a, it's a noble thought. But it's like anything, you know, that nothing survives first contact. As soon as we get right. into the day, next thing you know, someone's riding a mini bike around, donuts are flying around. It's like, it gets a bit chaotic. Everybody's so,
1: got a plan until they get pushed in the I,
3: face. And, and I, I wish we were kind of better at some sort of a format, but really, I think it, it gets back to the person showing up is, is self-advocating for themselves. Absolutely. And, and getting dirty. And if you do those two things, it'll work out.
5: I mean, is he suggesting that we have a... Like a triage approach to it, where we—no, I don't think where we. So. Well, we're, well, let me. Listen. Where somebody comes in and we have a process to say, okay, what do you need done? How experienced are you? Uh, what kind of input do you want? And you know what? Well, what we kind of do, do that need? anyway, informally. Yeah, I wonder if you—if you suggesting we formalize that a little bit. So there's.
2: Yeah, Elijah's so got a hand up.
0: So I was a bit uh, insulted by this at first. Oh, I know you got all
2: steamed up, didn't you?
0: My method is the um, let people fail to learn method. Well, I think that, that can be a little cruel, Lisa. I let people choose the wrong tools sometimes. That, uh, because then once they're struggling and they don't have the leverage and they can't get, and then I'll say, all right let's put an extension on this socket and a pipe on here. Now look how easy it is. Like, Oh, now they've learned why that benefited. If you just hand them the tool, they don't know why you chose that tool. So I let people try tools and, and find out what works, what doesn't I do. That is my process, but I'm also, I'm letting people forge their way. And if you just say, use this, do this. And a lot of times, you know, people say like, well, all right, um, Okay, you need to get all the, the plastics off your bike.
1: What does that mean?
0: I was like, well, then get a YouTube video. Yeah. Watch. I I don't know how to do most of these things.
3: Yeah. Not to get in the weeds on the topic, but when you mentioned people I've been talking to lately. Whatever. It's like the first thing I ask, have you watched a YouTube video? Most people say no, but that's really where you start. Right. right. I mean, but and, anyway, yeah. I,
2: but what uh, what I, tend to, the do, <laughs> what do what I tend to do when things are very busy down at the garage is I'll double people up. So we'll get a complete novice come in yeah. and say, you know, this is what I want to achieve. Yeah. Well, how much experience have you got working on your bike? Well, none. So, okay. So I know I'm busy and I can't be everywhere at once and I can't keep yeah. everyone safe much as I want to. So i would say, you know, John, this is John, this is, you know, Uncle Tom Cobley, you know, get, get yourselves acquainted and yeah. get on with the job. And then... Because there's two people, and you check one another, and then I will dip in and have a look and just see how they're doing. We uh, should
3: use the uh, that kid who had the Ducati. Remember the the young man from the it was in the Dukaki service. Ducati Dave? No, not oh Ducati Dave. But the young man that was from the service that had that long day. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. but yeah. his yeah. learning was trial by error and getting some tips and, and trial by error. That is a perfect
2: example because we were getting towards the very end of the day. And he picks up a spacer for his rear wheel and you could see he was just crushed. And I'm like, back wheel's got to come out again, you know, and you could just see him deflate. And I'm like, take a deep breath. We'll do it together. And we did it together. I remember that day. And it was, bam. And he came back. He came back and saw me at the the shop a couple of days later. Bike's running great. Smooth. The tires are brilliant
1: blah 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 but that's that's like a hybrid approach because that sinking feeling that I've gotten from putting a wheel in and realizing that I've gotten the spacers backwards or you know missing one or something like right. that right. it's instructive
2: yeah of course and you and I mean it's it's part of, but what you actually have to consider is what the ultimate goal is and my ultimate goal is not to turn everybody into a mechanic because not everybody wants to be a mechanic mm-hmm. My goal is to get people so they're a little more independent at their bike so that they're not paying me $150 an hour just to change oil Mm -hmm. or to change spark plugs. Very, very elementary jobs. Now, don't get me wrong. If I refuse to do that, it'd be the kiss of death from business. And I get plenty of work doing the simplest jobs as well as very, very complex jobs. That's the nature of business. But if you make the step to come down the recycle garage and if I can give you the tools just to do basic maintenance on your bike to understand why the chain goes slack and how to address that. And even if you just put a fucking tire gauge on your tires every week, that's really setting you apart from a lot of people who do nothing to their bike and then come blubbering when it blows up.
0: The reality is, and and Mike, thank you for, you know, trying to create some some creative uh, criticism of how we might do better. I appreciate that. It's just it was hard for me at first to to be told, like, oh, you're you're doing it wrong. But the reality is, um, and he said in there, no one is being compensated. This isn't a job, this is nobody's responsibility. This is a community. And you're gonna have different people on different days helping you. And different people have different ways to do what you're trying to do. And it's just community coming together. And yeah, you get to the end of the day and if it's not done, we all descend. And there's been times there's five people putting it together, getting it done. We always seem to. Because that is how a community works. When you need the extra help, everyone descends.
2: And I want to make something quite clear. Um, I do not send people down to my shop who come to Recycle Garage. It's always the other way. Yep. Yeah. I'll get people visit me at the shop and I say, oh, and by the way, I'm part of this motorcycle collective in Santa Cruz, blah, 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 blah. If you can't afford to pay or whatever. You've got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I bring people into the recycle garage, but I don't send people to Mototown.
3: And don't forget, Mike, it's, it's motorcycles and misfits. Not <laughs> motorcycle and people have their shit together. <laughs>
6: That's the truth. Yeah. But I mean, I, That's I, the truth.
2: I agree that when you first come, you, you know, it can be quite intimidating and it can be quite overwhelming because there is a lot going on. And we are misfits. I mean, there's some pretty large characters down here. <laughs> yeah. I had a
1: had a great experience today at the shop and my task working on my SV650 wiring.
0: Yeah, different people were jumping in at yeah. different times, and helping you with different offering things.
1: Offering fabulous rec- advice. And like, oh, yeah, don't worry about those three yellow wires. They're all the same. It's fine. Yeah,
0: I had no idea. I yeah, just I took didn't a know. guess. But yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so you did your wiring harness today. That's
0: right. Yeah. And, the and it started. And, and it, it started.
2: Right. Runner. And it's a charger as well. No chunker.
0: <laughs> we're we're running out of time. You have an email. Yeah, it's a I little long, so
2: I'm gonna get through it right quick.
0: But it's really good. Really good one. Really, really good show.
2: <clears throat> really. It this is from Lesmore Hey Lesmore. Less is is More.
0: Les is more. Um
5: more or
2: less. Okay, so um Hi, Motorcycles and Misfits. I've sent this by the messaging system on your website as well. Yes. Just don't want you to have, oh, I don't want you having too much deja vu.
0: Oh, I wanted to clarify. Mm. There, are, uh, there are sometimes people aren't sure which communication. Mm. You can send it to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can send it in Motorcycles and Misfits. You can send it through the website. You can send it through Patreon. They all come to me. Sometimes people right. send it everywhere. I get all of them. So they all work. So
2: two-pager? So, it is yeah. indeed a two-page. We're going to get through it, Jim. It's an epistle. I am a late comer to your podcast, but have listened to the last 10 or so and now up to date. Oh,
0: and I wanted to clarify. Welcome to the party.
2: You're reading it in the proper accent, too. Not quite. It's, I'm not quite. <laughs> York, Yorkshire's a bit ill. <laughs> um Of your, I live on the east coast of Yorkshire in the UK in the cur- sunny, currently snowy seaside mm-hmm. town of Bridlington. Hmm. I've gone through a number of bikes over the years, mostly playing at being a mechanic. It's kept me sane for the last four decades or so. I listen to your podcast when I'm wrenching in my back garden workshop. Um, Anyway, to my story, the idea of having a a leash on a child or... Is such a good one I also remember the times That Emma referred to When you kept your toddlers On a leash We used (laughs) to have so much Common sense back then (laughs) My son Alex Got an Italjet 50 For Christmas Lucky Leo Are those the ones That
0: you see In front of grocery stores On the machine Yes You know what I'm talking about And
2: those were actually Factory built Italjets They did motorbikes And they did static ones Specifically for fairground rides Oh how funny You'd often see Child's um, merry-go-rounds yeah. with them uh-huh. and they, a lot of them ended up outside grocery stores <laughs> we drove yeah. backwards and forwards <laughs> but nevertheless so this must have been around 95 when he would have been around two or three years old i had bought it at auction as an on-runner with a bit of work and a smiley face drawn on the front it was good to go he had just started to be able to ride a two-wheel bicycle without stabilizers Although the empty car park he first had a go in only had my car in it. (laughs) And he crashed into it at least five times. (laughs) Should have learned my lesson then. Anyway, we decided to take him to Southport Beach on the west coast of England. We lived in Manchester then. So my mum used to live in Southport and um southport beach is one of the nearest things we have to a desert i agree with that it has flat sands that stretch out to the sea for over a mile and must be 10 miles long during the summer it's used for parking for the tourists and they even have air displays there it's that big and flat i mean planes land on the beach in southport it's a very very wide long stretch anyway We took him well away from where any cars were parked and got the Italjet out of the back of the car. You know how this is going to go, don't you? He was very (laughs) excited and couldn't wait to have a go. I bet he was. (laughs) He had previously used the throttle on a small Honda ATV with me scrunched on behind him. So he did have an idea of controlling an engine. Being sensible parents, you are not sensible (laughs) parents, Les. We're going to get to this straight away. We did have a small helmet for him and some gloves. Well, that's a good start. Nicely done. We kitted him out and I started the bike. (laughs) He wanted to jump on straight away, but I realised I'd better give him a little instruction. So I held the rear of the bike up while he sat on it and practised with the throttle. It really didn't take him long to show us how well he could do it. Page two. (laughs) This is all building up to the big finale. The Italjet was a rev and go, so there was no clutch to be learned. With the bike ticking over and him sitting on it, he was ready to go. Now, I know you are thinking you know how this tale goes. You think he cracked the throttle wide open and shot off like a rocket and fell off. Well, that isn't the way it happened. He gently opened the throttle and the bike sets off. The problem was he just kept going in a straight line. I expected him to turn and ride around to us. But I hadn't actually <laughs> said that to him. This is a bonehead move on your leg. He wasn't going very fast, and we could hear the whoops of delight coming from him. At this point, I realized the boy wasn't for turning. This is many years after Margaret Thatcher. Emma will like this. So I don't know where he got the idea from in a panic i set off running after him shouting to break something not got round to showing him oh my
5: god that's awesome
2: although i could keep pace with the bike at the speed he was riding i couldn't actually catch up with it he just kept going And I just kept running, getting more and more out of breath and desperate. Ten
0: miles (laughs) long. Ten miles
2: long. Mile straight into the ocean. (laughs) I could see that he was parking. He was heading towards the parking area of the beach, and I was starting to fear this wouldn't end well. He didn't make the bike go any faster. It was almost as if he was playing with me, keeping me just that far enough behind so he couldn't hear me and I couldn't
1: catch
6: him. (laughs)
2: That's brilliant. He's totally doing that on purpose. I felt I had run a couple of miles, but in truth, it was probably less than half a mile. That's more than I could do. Um, The sand was so smooth, there was nothing to make him deviate from the straight line he was following straight towards the parked cars. I got more and more desperate, but couldn't find the speed to catch him. Suddenly, the front wheel must have caught in a wheel track from where a car had been driven on the beach (laughs) twisting the front wheel and sending him spilling to the floor never have I been so relieved to see somebody (laughs) fall off (laughs) it was the mildest outcome I could imagine in my fear I'd seen him squashed behind a car coming out of the car park Mm. or slamming into the side of a big and heavy SUV when I got to him he wasn't even crying he was just keen to get going again (laughs) I bet he was my word (laughs) On the ride back to our car, he sat on the bike with me standing on the footpeg, towering over him, controlling the bike. After a bit of telling off from my dearly beloved.
1: (laughs) I would love to have heard that
2: conversation. I would
6: would
1: love to know how to convince my wife to let this happen.
2: (laughs) I gave him more instruction this time, including the concept of turning and using the brakes. Very sound plan there, Les. Um. He had many happy hours with that bike before graduating to a KX60 with gears nice. at the age Fun. of six. And he even entered a couple of motocross events. He's still very interested in anything with an engine to this day. We have a YouTube channel called Spanner Rash. Hey. So that's capital Spannerash, Spanner Spanner capital S, P, A, N, N, E, R, capital R, A, S, H, S, H, Forgive me, where he tends to do more car stuff these days, leaving all of the playing with bikes to me. Like you said, put a leash on your <laughs> child, especially yeah. if you're letting them ride a motorbike for the first time. You know what would have been ideal? You know those th- telescopic things that dog owners have that you kind of oh, press no, a button yeah, the yeah. and, oh, yeah. and then you could just push it and then pull the child out the bike. Yes. Um, Anyway, take care. Love and hugs to you all. I hope you found this tale interesting. I found it hilarious. Excellent. <laughs> thank you, Les. Les Moore. <clears throat> And, you know, the moral of this story is it will probably turn out all right. Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for sending that in. I love it. Yeah, and put a leash on them. Yeah, that is, that is definitely the, the so, top tip. Oh,
2: I was one. thinking, so I was actually talking to my brother in the week and I, I broached the subject to me talking about your little harness and uh, my little harness. And um, he said, oh, do you, remember, do you remember anything about it? And I said, yeah, I seem to remember it had little bunny rabbits on the front. And he said, yes. <laughs> he said it was, it was like pink and it had little bunny, ra- <laughs> bunny rabbits on the front nice. and it had this big like <clears throat> clasp on the back. And it was like a dog leash. And, and it, it sort of, it was a harness. I couldn't get out of it, even if I tried. And my mom had had me actually on this leash, because I was like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I seem
0: <laughs> to recall when I, oh, yeah. i mine, I was only like two years old. I think it was leather with studs and spikes and I had this matching mask that I could put on, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, just, well I could barely, barely see through the eggs. little... with the,
1: with the zipper wait, for the slits. Uh, this is a, a Folsom Street fairy. Oh no,
0: my gosh. This is it branded Tom's? You know what you just realized? <laughs> no, I'm no, kidding,
1: that, no. Was, that was your
2: time of conception, <laughs> wasn't it?
0: <laughs> uh, well, there you go. I think that, that brings it to, to an end. we we got some motorcycles in there. Mm-hmm right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're
3: basically a motorcycle podcast.
0: Uh, yeah, no, we just wanted to, I just wanted to brag a bit about Santa Cruz.
3: Well, I think the cell phone picture thing got us started the other day at dinner. You brought that up, that the guy, the first cell phone picture I think picture that, no, I think yeah, it was yeah, absolutely well, splendid.
0: Actually, no, it started with Joby and I'm like, yeah. you know, it's amazing how many different transportation things have come out of here. And when we, I really started looking into it and realizing there's, there's so much more. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of where we live even though it's not like a big metropolitan city i mean how many buildings over three stories (laughs) right and you know we
2: didn't even touch like tracy Bodywork for bikes and stuff like that so much yeah there's so much that went on here back in the day so and still does still does yeah yeah Yeah,
0: there you go well that brings it to an end um we are fully into december now um i realized in a few weeks we're going to be coming up i'm going to be leaving soon going away to merry old england when are you leaving uh a few days before christmas well that's fine but christmas is a sunday so we're not going to record a podcast on christmas so we're going to take that week off Hmm. while i'm gone
2: right as we should and i want to point out so there's plenty of advance yeah two weeks from today which is the 17th i will be attending the jameson motorcycle museum Christmas party.
0: Oh. oh, so you won't be here?
2: I no. will not be here. I oh. will be schmoozing it with the vintage motorcycle. People. I'm waiting for my uh, invitation, <laughs> apparently. Um, <coughs> the following week, Jim, is <laughs> <Christmas> the Talbot <laughs> Museum
3: Christmas party. Oh, oh would you, that's the good would one. You, would you like, plus, would on. you like to be my plus plus? Would you like to be my plus one? I would one? love nothing more than to be your plus one. In that case, you sh- you can
2: come to the Aww. Talbot Motorcycle Museum Christmas Party with me, which is, I believe, on the 22nd. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Sorry for being bold, but...
0: Emma, and then the following Sunday, when we usually record, is New Year's Eve. Yes. John and I have committed to being here business as uh, usual. You're going to join
2: us? Yeah, I think... You know, there there is no better way to ring in a new year than just boring our listeners mightily for two hours with us <laughs>
5: droning on about some shite, and that means we'll open the garage too that day.
0: Yeah, come yeah. on, Jim, you're off I the know. hook. You you I'm, have a beloved.
5: Yeah, whatever. We'll still we'll play. I'm a too. Kind of. I'm so around. So, so does Emma.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, I know.
3: I, I have plans, so I will not be
4: able to join New you. You won't be Maybe there? You New Year's?
0: Oh. Not, oh. not unfortunately, I oh. will not be able to okay.
4: what, what, are you do, what, what are you doing? So, so special bagel Raging. Going up to uh, Portland to uh, see a show with another scooterist. Uh, okay. To see the dr- and
2: not. Um, drugs, sex. Rock and roll. <gasps> yeah, you know, All, all, those all the fun Normal stuff. Scooter stuff.
0: Uh, will there be other
3: people <laughs> involved? No. Uh, I'm sure. Okay.
0: Well, there you go. So, yeah, we're going to be. Oh, you have something?
3: Did you want me to mention the desert thing we're doing and kind of frame sure, that go a ahead. little bit? Sure. So, uh, uh, Liza got some emails asking about this desert thing we're going to do Johnson at the end Valley. Of, Yeah. at the end of January, beginning of February. So, I just want a little more info, and I think we might put out more info on social mm-hmm. media, whatever, just to make it clear. So, what we're talking about, they've got the, the Misfits Desert Hair, and it'd be the first annual, and it's not a rally, really, it, it's a gathering. All I'm doing is inviting anyone that within earshot that wants to come down to Johnson Valley OHV, which is south of Barstow, um, for a few days of riding motorcycles in the desert and shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. Come on down. I think the only rule really is is bring firewood, Uh, at least a piece.
2: I think if you have a dirty bike, that'll probably help. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, desert yeah, riding yeah would yeah. not yeah,
5: do on bring a, GS. On a street bike yeah it,
3: no street bikes it's it's desert riding so you know be advised it's, it? it's camping it's blm land
5: i mean they could bring it if you bring it, a gs or something you could ride those roads but that's you won't be yeah, able it well. gonna, you'll, yeah. yeah
3: but anyway i just want to you know it's not a rally we're not charging it's nothing like that bring your
1: own food and this is a uh, desert hair h-a-i-r yes
3: h-a-r-e actually oh desert hair like the rabbit like a jackrabbit um, so anyway, we'll, we'll probably more for, it, but just everybody knows it's not a rally. We're not charging. Just come on down. Um, and it's also the same weekend of King of the Hammers, um, right. the off-road racing, if you're familiar with that and where we camp is on the edge of the race course. So,
5: so I think we'll likely send out a, a location with a, with a, with a point with a dot. Yeah. yeah so, well, last time. Yeah. Well, so anyway, it,
3: it, if
0: you're interested in more <laughs> info, um, and Jim, if it's okay, I'll just forward them to you. That's but fine, People can email us at motorcycles and Oh, I messed it up. Motorcycles and Misfits at gmail.com. There it is. Um, and, in fact, send all of your emails, your questions, your comments, your criticisms. Let's hear it. Send it to Misfits at gmail.com. And you can go to our website, Motorcyclesandmisfits.com, and you can find all sorts of stuff there, too. Um, I think we're ready to wrap up. Thanks, uh, you guys, everyone, for all doing your research.
3: Oh, we've got to shout to Scott.
0: Uh, yeah.
6: Oh, yeah. Oakland MC Scott
3: and his wife. There's yeah. still a shopping bag of confectionery sitting in front of me that I ate like half of during the podcast. Wow. So, shout out to Scott yeah, for bringing thanks, the Scott.
0: goodies. Yeah. And to whoever dropped off, there was a gear drop off this morning. I went out and there was mm. a bag of helmets and boots <laughs> that just keeps Sweet. coming in. So, if you need gear, come see us. Mm-hmm. We've got it for you. Uh, I think we're ready to wrap up. Thank you, everyone here in this room, and especially to our listeners and especially our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much. Uh, you help keep keep the lights on here. So, on that note, I think we're ready to get out. Uh, thanks very much. This is Liza.
5: Stuppy Johnny.
3: And my darling. Scooty. Jim Jimson. Bagel.
0: And we are out of here.
3: Cool. Cool. cool.